0: or she turns into something else altogether. A dragon. A a moth. I
1: feel like... Right? I've always thought that that means a caterpillar turned into a moth. Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) I
2: thought about it. I hate moths, so please, no, no. There's no...
1: There's no difference between them other than how their wings laid flat or up. (laughs) Like, we just, we just picked which one. It's color. Shudder. There's pretty moths. There's pretty moths. No,
2: No, there's not. There's only, like, (laughs) tiny harmless moths, and I want to murder your family moths. (laughs) There's nothing in between.
0: Welcome to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys rewatch podcast. This week, we have the pleasure to bring you the conclusion of Beep and CC's conversation with our friend Alicia. Enjoy! All right,
1: so are you ready to get into the episode?
0: (laughs) <laughs> Breathe. I know.
1: It's so fun now because there's a lot of – there's so much – it's kind of fun to, like, dive in because this episode in particular is Cole's exasperation with Jennifer talking in riddles and and then figuring out that what she has to say makes Aww. sense. Um, and the – oh, it's, a, it's such a great one. Okay. So today we were discussing 202 Primary – Written by Sean Tretta, speaking of the Red Forest, and directed by Magnus Martins, who also directed um, Divine Move in season one. Um, I, this episode is like a feast. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was, I, I couldn't believe how much. I mean, obviously it's entitled Primary. It's our first look at um, the mythology of primaries and getting a sense, almost as Cole does throughout the episode, that there's a much bigger picture um, of, of things going on here and Jennifer is part of that. Um, but also there's, I think it's really interesting how the episode plays with, this is the first episode where time changes. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's two, it's almost two, it's time-changing, but it's also a very, like, character-rich experience exploration of how the characters have changed
2: yeah you think like the time shift would be like the central I mean it is narratively kind of the central thing that happens but it happens so early in the episode (laughs) that I was so confused because I hadn't rewatched this episode in in like since I first watched it and when I was I was like oh it's only been like what 14 minutes (laughs) I was shocked like
0: so much happens in this episode wait but back up for a second this isn't the first time that time shifts right they just kind of undid that last one because i mean when cassie's killed in the night room they have to go back and undo all that stuff
1: oh that's ah. yeah
0: but i mean that's true this is kind of the shift that sticks the shift that sticks and
1: the shift that's for the better sure that right, like right. changes right, the, right, like, that
0: furthers the plague and deepens the mythology
1: Right. The idea that – yeah, that's a really good point. The idea that they are actually moving the needle and that they, what they're doing can actually change time. Have an effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the way – We like both Jones and then we as the audience get to watch time change, right? Like we didn't get, we didn't, in season one, Cole showed up and then there was like laundry hanging over the time machine. And that was (laughs) like signifying to us that things had changed, but we didn't get to watch that the way we do in this episode. But it's really... Interesting, like the entire, you know, Cassie says it at the top of the episode, um, metamorphosis, which is a word that is going to be a challenge for me throughout the next two hours because I find it really difficult (laughs) (laughs) to say, but I'm going to try really hard. So you have time. It's every it, everything is about change, right? And Cassie says in the end episode. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything changes. Cole. So it's about people changing. Why reasons why people change? Circumstances. Um, the impact other people have on them. How much of that is our own choice? And quote unquote trying to find our purpose. And how much of it, you know, like Cassie is, be, you know, becoming a product of like your surroundings. Um, but also the idea. That their fates are intertwined. Um, the way that it ends, it's also, you know, I-, I, just think that there's a lot of really, it's really interesting, like thematically for the show, the idea of, of how these characters are changing and how they're all intertwined and, and you know, pretty much be- like
2: every, sorry, but pretty yeah. much every major character goes through, like, it's definitely centered on Cassie this episode, but, um, she, Describes kind of what a lot of the characters go through. Like Jennifer goes through a huge arc in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even Deacon goes through like just us finding out more about him and seeing how that affects him. There's a huge arc there. Like everyone changes. And then we also find out that he's changed in the sense that he and Cassie are closer and, and he's not as, um, maybe, uh, wild as we, (laughs) as we first met him or what, you know, you like everyone has changed. In some way. And you see that in that, like, there's major scenes with just about everybody in this episode, which again, I don't know how they've managed to fit all of that in.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like now doing this rewatch, this episode is a sign of the like, like, excellence that this show mm-hmm. will reach in terms of character development and, and letting the audience have time to really kind of like dive into that because there's so many conversations and so many scenes that are getting at who these people are. How have they changed? Um, and really like mining the drama and the conflict in that. And it's, like, every conceivable character, right? Like, every yeah, parent has a significant conversation. And you're right. Like, they do that at the same time that they've, like, shifted the entire timeline. <laughs> and, like, I don't know how they pull it all off. And I think it's, j- like, really – it's good foreshadowing, I guess. And that that
2: they, they're telling you that all of these people, when they do something – Positive, or when they enact positive change, whether it's cold towards Jennifer, um, or even like the fact that uh, so far they've let let Ramsay live, and like you know that they don't kill him right away, and like little things like that. That those are the things that make a difference later on. Um, which I of course Cole says that he's like, you know, the only time things change is like when we when I save somebody. And like that's also present throughout. And it also really sets up the rest of the show because that is that is true. It things only change when they when they are doing
1: something positive, I guess. Like And we're and doing it together. Mm -hmm. Right. So so you have all of these characters that then are you have that momentous change at the top of the episode but that's because each of those characters have made has made an in, like a choice to not act unilaterally and like work to get, like they may not be happy about it like Cassie but all of them the four of them sitting there when the virus is burned is the product of all of the choices those four people made, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ramsey yeah. giving the intel about New York, Cole deciding that he is gonna try and convince Jennifer and stand against Cassie. Jennifer making the choice not to drop it. And Cassie does make a choice not to shoot, right? Like yeah. she may not be happy about it, but it and- also goes to like the end of the episode they're like, your fates are intertwined. Like, not only is it doing something positive, like saving a life or as, as the daughters characterize it, like an act of mercy, but it's also them working to, even though they're not happy about it, they're working together in that yeah. at the beginning and even, of the episode.
2: So even with Cassie, like the choice to not shoot for sure, but also, um, it was interesting that, like, I'm so, so happy that they did give us the flashback, which is like the, I think the first scene in the episode, um, because they show like Cassie going out with, Deacon and the the rest of the West Seven to get supplies that's a choice she makes like Jones doesn't go out the scientists don't go out to get supplies she chooses to fully become a part of this world and like learn how to shoot a gun proper like you know and even even though like whatever her um, emotional hardening or whatever, like she she makes that choice and later down the road like Simple things like fighting skills, like she couldn't hold a gun properly or whatever. Yes, she was a quick learner, but like her choosing to learn about that new world actually helps them a lot later on, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, yeah, like she has made that choice. Like when she um, like the, the fact that they show her like putting on the mask and picking up the gun and it, like that's a choice she makes to become fully a part of that world. And
0: and it hel- it only helps them later on. Yeah, because she really shouldn't be going outside.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Great. She has to wear a mask even to walk outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting is Deacon is also making a choice to go out and get supplies for the time machine. You know, Deacon – Deacon didn't have to do that. Like, all he wanted was that bunker for shelter. Um, And I don't – I mean, I guess maybe – when they messed up the machine, they didn't mess up the generator, right? Like they yeah. still have electricity. He still has everything he needed to just move the West Seven in. So Deacon's also making a choice, and he says it in the later in the episode. He's talking to Ramsey, "Our time machine," and mm-hmm. Ramsey's like, "What? Oh, it's like your like what?" Um, and so Deacon's also like has a even in these opening scenes, it's a big character shift for Deacon, even if it's he's more in the background. Um, of Cassie, of that monologue with Cassie, but he's also made like an affirmative choice to help the mission when he really didn't have to, right? Like he had all of the force, he's in charge um, once they got the messengers out with the West Seven and he's making a choice to take risks and go out and get tech so that Jones can rebuild the machine.
2: Yeah, it's really good timing for them to show like, to talk about his backstory in this episode, too, because of that. Because, like, those two things combined, I was like, oh, Deacon, I remember when I, like, started loving you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So let's break down because it is um – It's a great, it's a great flashback, and it's really elegant in how much it tells us in very short amount of time. Like it's not even the entire opening, right? Like it, it takes us up to Cassie on the on the rooftop. Now, Alicia, you um made a great discovery. So before we get into the monologue, the song that's playing is "Come to Me" by Kelsey Carter. Which is a cover of a song by you. You're the one that researched this, Alicia. Yeah. Cover by a song by who? By Otis Redding, these arms Who of all, mine. <laughs> and so, what are can, go? It's I love it. Can you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, because yeah, it was kind of tricky to find this song, but I actually just like looked up her and Twelve Monkeys, and it was like a whole like rabbit hole, haha, through SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the lyrics of the of the song are: Come to me and forget the past. Think of the life we have ahead. And then later, days are getting so lonely. Life are getting so blue. Time has come for you and I to get together and we'll make two. And then near the end it's, I need some love just to stand right by me. You know that these arms of mine, they have been so lonely.
1: Uh, Ah. Yeah. It's so, those words are so, you know, the fact that it's like by the same, it's a cover in a female voice, Mm -hmm. right? And this is the monologue and a flashback that is from Cassie's perspective, which is awesome, right? And got in a the woman. song,
2: like if you go and if you were to go, it's such a good Easter egg to go in and listen to it that that these arms of mine is part of it, which is like mm-hmm. such a callback to happier times,
1: right? But also, like you know, we're we're now opening like we opened the series with Cole in the apocalypse, um, and now we're opening this season with Cassie in the apocalypse, um, and you know. It, There's so much subtle, well, it's just facial acting by Amanda Schull because you see how she is. You know, there's that shot of her looking through um, the window and the door. Um, And I mean, the words are definitely like, we'll get into those in a second. And there's a lot of regret and kind of like, I don't know, almost like being resigned Mm -hmm. to what you've become. Yeah. But, But she's also like, Mourning it, right? And so when she's looking through the window and you have this song come to me in these arms of mine, you're kind of wondering, like, what is she thinking about Cole? Is she mourning who she was? Like, probably all of that, right, is going on. I think Amanda
2: did such a good job in like all those like little micro expressions of like stealing herself, or like just like you have to do that like, you know, in just those like little moments you saw that she's like kind of forcing herself to do all of this. Like, this is not her, this is not what she wants, but this is what has to be done right now. And so she's going to be the person to do it and like, just deal with it, which it's it's so heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. I mean, we will, you know, throughout talking about season two, we were going to be on our Cassie defense squad. I know. (laughs) but But repeatedly throughout the episode, when she takes the hardened stance, you then do get the shot of, of seeing the emotion right Mm -hmm. and like what she's Mm -hmm. shutting down or remorse um yeah now it's interesting because the song will return at the end of the episode because it's the song that jones will play for cole as evidence of people out there in the world broadcasting by shortwave radio and so while the song at the beginning is kind of like a soundtrack for this like desolate um and really hard existence that Cassie's living, they're then gonna use the song at the end as like a sign of hope. Um, when Cole is, is a little bit um questioning whether they're really kind of moving the needle against the Army of the tall Monkeys or not. And Jones finds inspiration and, and hope in that song, as she puts it. Oh
2: so. uh, yeah, and and Cole is back in the future too. Like that or back in the future. But you know, like he's again he's in the future too. Like it, it's such a it's such a like victorious moment i i love that scene so much and like it it yeah i didn't even realize like I, I don't think i realized it was the same song honestly which is which is crazy if you but like i had i was so involved in watching the episode but like it was such a hopeful end like i i was like first of all it's like setting you up for the rest of the season and all of that but um but yeah i was really happy that they that they just like placed it in a way that you're like yes okay
1: things are starting it's happening Right. So, all right. So the monologue is the um, third time in the show that we've heard this monologue, the first time from a character other than Cole. Um, I think Jennifer does it too, right? When she's lost at the beginning of, when she's lost in France. I don't know. Am I I making that up? Um, But anyway, so it starts off with the same question. Where are you right now? Which is particularly interesting given that Cole and Cassie are separated um, by thirty years. Oh. But um, <laughs> oh. um, and then um, oh, instead God. of next to someone you love, it's somewhere you don't belong. And then living a life you never thought you'd have to doing things horrible things, which that that is in the original monologue. Um, and I, I think. I think it's really interesting because even though Cassie undergoing this experience in the post apocalypse, you know, hardens her and she, and she builds walls around herself. And that is a, you know, a point of, um, not, not contention is not the right word, but it, but it's definitely a divide between Cassie and Cole. I, I was thinking about it today and I wonder though, like, if you think about the Cassie who in the nightroom was, v- extremely judgmental of Cole Yeah, and was like, you know, well, that's not me. And that's, I just want to heal people and that I could never be that to the Cassie that in the, um, in causality in season three, in the heist episode is, is affirming to Cole that he, even though when he's talking about, you know, if, if Ethan is the witness, it's because of, because of the, because of me, because think about all the things that I've done. And she is saying, no, you're a good man. And that's why I love you. I, I I do think that even though this experience causes – is part of the divide between them this season, I think ultimately it's one of the reasons why they are – What's the right word? Like that she like having this experience of what it must have been like for Cole living in this world helps him understand him because it's also now happened to her, and so it's not just like you've actually been on that other person's shoes. And I think it Mm -hmm. ultimately brings them closer together. Why
2: everything that I feel like happens in season two that puts them at odds. Ultimately helps them understand each other. And I think that is like one of my favorite things about like exactly what you said. The fact that she goes through this and it's, and it's terrible. And, but at the same time, like we said, she chooses to fully, um, you know, put herself into that world at the end. Like she, because she even says to Cole like this, it's what I am is because of me. And that, that is very true. She makes like very active choices and, and, I think part of it is that she's also sad because she knows like she knows that there's some disconnect right like she knows Cole would have also gone through all of this she knows that's what Cole was like when she met him and I think that's part of the internal conflict that Cassie has is that like on some level she knows there's some like hypocrisy almost there and that hurts her a lot (laughs) because she's like you know, like, now she's saying that Cole can't do what it takes, but like, she's a, she's smart. She remembers that she also was this person. And now Cole, like, I think it almost makes her feel worse that like, now Cole is the opposite and he's saying like, oh, we should save people. And she's like, no, now I see that you are right and it's too late. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like how often in a relationship with someone have you actually been able to walk in that other person's shoes and understand like these f- kind of foundational experiences that made them who they are? Right. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, and then so in season
2: three, when they're on the run, um, just the two of them, like, I think they like the fact that they are so cohesive. I never question that because we have seen this season and we've seen what it took to get them there. We've seen what it took Cole to get to the point where he understands that, no, it's not worth just killing anybody to get what you want because it never works out. And then Cassie saying like, Oh no, you have to do whatever it takes. Um, You can't be weak. Like they, the, so the fact that they're like able to just like work together by season three, by season four, and just like be on the same page on a lot of like decision making. It makes complete sense. Like it just, it's like, Oh, of course they are because they know they don't even have to talk about it. They know, they know
1: what, has happened to the other person because they've experienced it. Right, like I was wondering, like when they were in the House of Cedar and Pine in 1958 and 59, were they like trading scav stories?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right? I'm laughing, but I'm crying inside.
1: (laughs) Be like, no, but I took on five scavs. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, so the next lines: things you never thought you'd be capable of. No matter how hard you fought, you'd have to live with it, wait it out, transform, evolve, metamorphosis, and that is, you know, as we were talking at the top. Such a meaty line. God, it's so good. <laughs> it, it's so good, and it and it applies to so many of the so many of the characters, mm-hmm. like you know, throughout the show, but particularly in this episode. Then there's you know. The line and sometimes you have to accept, not every caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Which is
0: just like,
2: ah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. This so I love this monologue because like when I first heard it, um I so I watched season one like along like when it first came out, um, and then I watched it again recently when I binged the whole show and like I I almost like because she because uh, Cassie says the monologue in like the same like cadence as like the other monologues. It feels so creepy because it's like a funhouse mirror version of the original monologue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's not quite right. And then and then I was like oh, let me listen to it properly <laughs> like she's this is oh no, this is not good. like things are not going well like it was it was such a like like just those those small changes in those lines
1: this changes in- and also her delivery. it's like mm-hmm. so resigned mm-hmm. you know it's so heavy.
2: yeah so yeah. it's like, it's interesting. And the music, even the music, the song is different. Yep. Like it's it's a lot more like um
1: melancholy. Mhm. I mean, I what I think both this idea of an evolution of a per, you know, you know, referring to like mm-hmm. metamorphosis of a caterpillar or a butterfly, but like thinking about how we evolve as people and how much of that is It's an interesting idea, right? Because at the end of the episode, she's like, you know, who I am is because of me. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's clearly not just that, right? Some of it is – some of it is choice and some of it is events, circumstances, who else she's around, right? She's quoting Mm -hmm. Deacon. Um, And, you know, so all of those ideas of how much of it is a choice that, like, we are free to make and how much are we a product of our circumstances – it's true for Cassie. It's true for Jennifer. It's true for a lot of people in this episode. But what I think is interesting is w- this line right now is is kind of symbolizing Cassie recognizing who she's become. Yeah. And she owns it. And she's mm-hmm. like, this is my choice. But she doesn't – the way she delivers the line doesn't sound like she's necessarily like – she's saying, this is not who I ever thought I would be. But then, obviously, the line's going to come back – It's going to be... The Christmas present that Cole gives her with the butterfly, right? Which is then like the ultimate (laughs) symbol, yeah. Right. The ultimate symbol of her breaking down those walls Mm -hmm. and connecting with another human being. It's the phrase that's going to trigger her memory when they're in Titan in the season finale that they were in love and that and the life that they had together. And it's also the symbol that she and Cole are going to paint outside Raritan to guide her home when she escapes from titan so when
2: you when you think about like all of that like all of what you're saying later on like you kind of realize how good of a setup this beginning of the season is like it's it's wild because you're you're just like okay this is where Cassie's at she's in a dark place but she knows like she knows what she's doing because it's not like she's forgotten who she was before or anything like that she she knows that she's made these decisions and that um they're you know they're affecting her they're affecting her relationships and all of that and like I mean of course having to remember that like she like Aaron died and all of that like crazy stuff happened and now she just thinks oh I'm buying into the mission that was always there um and Cole's the one who's changed like how dare he (laughs) but like it's such a good setup because like they haven't seen each other like Cassie's been there for eight months and Cole has been here here, like in our time and just like I'm I'm just like I don't even know I have no further comment like it's it's just an incredible setup for the the story
1: um to to like Progress from here. Yeah. I mean, to think that you're, t- that right now it is describing a Cassie who is hardened and has her walls up. And mm-hmm. we're, we're a little bit of a, like, as an audience, like, wow, what happened to her? Right. Like mm-hmm. watching that. And to think that then that phrase is going to then be turned on its head because she will continue to evolve. Right. Yeah. There will continue to be metamorphosis and it will be, be- through human connection. And through love, right, and that's how that's what's ultimately going to bring her back to her own, like recovering her own memories. That's what is going to bring her home to Raritan and being able to find everyone again. Um, in you know early on, what is it? In it's in Brothers, right? Where she was like she'll see the butterfly symbol, and then we'll see later on, right, that she Uh painted that symbol for herself. Her so. It's
2: interesting because it's, it's like a beacon to her <laughs> which yeah. Is a, yeah which is amazing because that's something that she thought she was rejecting but no she was just this is just a whole person that has these parts and that that is that is growing and what they say transforming evolving all of that it's like such they're they're good choices in words um because they all they
1: all um imply something positive right and it doesn't mean whether it's whether it's Cole or Cassie or Jennifer, whatever they've done in the past, whoever you think you are, I think what the show explores is that doesn't mean that's who you have to be tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? And so oh, yeah. th- this idea of evolution a metamorphosis, it's not static, Um so. And that you don't forget what
2: you were before, like that, that it doesn't just go away. The things that you did before or the person that you were before doesn't just go away. And it's, that's true for, for Cole accepting the things that he has done before, the things that he had to do. And that's Cassie, um, moving on from this point being like, this is a part of her. Um, which I, I really like that they don't just sort of like forget that all of this happened but that it makes them stronger as individuals and as a unit which again such a good setup
1: oh yeah all right so that takes us to I love it, it takes us takes us straight from Cassie we see her getting the injection it takes us to the rooftop where the last episode left off all the way up from her perspective then we will see what happened in the alley and we follow Ramsey up to the rooftop and then we have the big face off and I love that even though this scene is so tense you have that phenomenal line from Ramsey that's like this again like from the season finale that we like just watched from season one so it's so great but these there's so much like even with the, like, i love this scene right? so much it's okay. he's with me with you like her face is like what the fuck um and we ran you know we went through sort of the like debate um between Cassie and Cole and their different points of view that got them up to this face off and why they're both right which is why this face off works right so well they're both right but what i wanted to focus on for this episode is because um just because we did spend a lot of time last time on on the on oh yeah yeah, yeah it's a great
2: cliffhanger right. <laughs> oh my god yes yeah.
1: seeing both their points of view but here I wanted to talk about sort of like the the Jennifer of it all in this scene because the way that Jennifer will look back on what happened in the rooftop mm-hmm. and that she has – the way she has told this story to the daughters, so the way the daughters then communicate it to Jones is that – Cole made it there's a lot of people making choices on this rooftop right and what Jennifer remembers and what is a seminal moment in Jennifer's life is the way she describes it is Cole made a choice and it and she describes it as an act of mercy right and Cole takes a huge like it is a huge risk yeah I mean she is dangling a glass file over Chinatown in and New it's, York it's City. And it's Jennifer, so you're not 100% sure. <laughs> right.
2: What's, you know, like she she is she has an agenda of her own. Like she is whether she wants to or not, she's working with um, the art like you know, she she is on the precipice of doing this. Like she came there with the intention to do this because that's what she was manipulated into thinking
1: her purpose was. Right. I mean, and what I think is interesting is, so Cole, it's this idea, like everybody has a choice. And what's so, if you actually kind of tease it apart, the reason why they're on that rooftop is because Ramsey. Because of Cole, like, reaching out to him in the last episode, apologizing, saying, I never wanted that for your son. Because of the Mm -hmm. connection between them, he decides to share that information, which then – You take Cassie at the top, and then, like, you've got Jennifer hanging, like, with the vial. It's because of the connection between Cole and Jennifer that Cole decides that he is going to stand between Jennifer and Cassie and turn a gun on Cassie because he believes that Jennifer doesn't want to do this. It's because of the human connection between Cassie and Cole that Cassie hesitates, even though she she wants to. She, She doesn't, like... I guess it would have been a rest because if she shoots Jennifer, the vial drops, right? And it's really Yeah, but she's so true. But she still decides, like, she doesn't pull the trigger. And she doesn't yeah, well, shoot. some some part of him, uh, some part
2: of Cassie still, like, fully trusts Cole on that level. And you can see that, like, the hesitation of her, of her just, like, holding the gun and being, like – not, a, like, she's like there what, and, and to do what needs to be done, etc. But like, you see, you see the, the Cassie that we knew in season one being like peeking through, which is because she sees Cole after such a long time. And it's like, oh yeah, like. That happened eight months ago before right. I did all the stuff. And um, one of my favorite things about Told Monkeys is, uh, like I said it earlier, is, this, is the relationship between uh, Jennifer and Cole. I think it's like one of the most special friendships. And this episode is so important, of course, later in the episode, too. But like in this moment, when when Cole takes a stand and protects Jennifer, um, I like I feel like they like first of all, they easily set up the fact that that is what helps Cole come back to the future. But also, like, just everything that goes on from their relationship after that. Like, Jennifer is so important to the mission, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, no one has recognized that yet.
1: <laughs> but all of it, all of it begins with a very simple, he's, he, all he's asking her to do is to trust him. hmm And... She does because yeah. of the way he has always, like, even if he has been utterly confounded by her all through <laughs> season one, um, he has always, I, and, and, you know, it's like this connection that the two of them have. Mm-hmm. While the voices stop in Jennifer's head, right? When Cole talks, but Cole has always, he is the first person who listens to her, right? And so when he's saying, like, trust me, it's because of Jennifer's connection to Cole that she makes that choice. So I just think it's interesting. It's like this dominant, like... The reason why they are able to stop the virus in 2016 and delay it for two years and change the future is all because of a domino effect of sort of human beings being interconnected and caring about each other and trusting each other. And that goes all the way to the end of the episode, right? The reason why Cole shares the information about the 1944 photograph with Jones is because they reestablish the trust between each other, right? So the whole thing that's making the mission possible is what the daughters say at the end, right? That our fates are intertwined, that people are intertwined, and that's what makes the difference. Um,
2: and that's, I mean, even Cole and Cassie kind of being like, "Yes," they reaffirm their um their commitment to the mission. But that's that's also like, I feel like them looking at the picture, looking, oh, other things have happened in their life. They understand that, like they. They are also saying, like, okay, we hate each other right now, I guess, but, like, we're in this together, too. Like, they're all – even in the car, like, the car, which is the next scene, like, they're all so – like, especially Cassie is so mad. But, like, they're all so, like, not happy with each other. Oh, uh, it's, like, the most <laughs> – yeah, the most awkward – But, ever, like
1: – Yeah, it's, like, the most awkward car ride ever, ever since Cole and Aaron Marker <laughs> <laughs> had to road trip with yeah. each other.
2: <laughs> it's, it's amazing because, like, you – like, in one – in the previous season so in one season of watching this show so much has happened to connect these four people and they all have various reasons to like feel whatever they feel towards each other and like they're all like right in that set like all of their emotions are valid I guess but which makes it so funny because we feel like we know them so well and so we can like feel the awkwardness <laughs> because of that like we because we have seen them connect we've seen on what they can like what they connect about like why um, like why Cassie feels the way she does right now or what she did before and why Cole is so um, why Cole is feeling upset with Cassie why Cassie's feeling betrayed by Cole <laughs> why Ramsey's like what the fuck
1: are we doing here again like it's just yeah and it's it's crazy because it's it's the first time i mean it is it's crazy i've never this is crazy to say i've never stopped to think that that rooftop and car scene is the first time that it is episode 202 and it's the first time those four characters have ever been in the same place together
0: what okay i didn't know that either right beep beep, is that right that is correct
1: Yeah, so it's the first time they've ever, which is insane because it doesn't. You feel like you know them all so well, it doesn't, right? But it's crazy. They've never all been in the same place at the same time. (laughs) So then it's almost like your friends are meeting your other
2: friends, and you're just like (laughs) you're nervous about it because you're like, oh, I
1: know, I know this person. Like they're they're not gonna like this other. Yeah. (laughs) So let's. Do you want to walk us through the most awkward car ride ever? Well.
0: You know what I was just thinking when you guys were talking, one of the things that's interesting, because I know we brought up last time we were talking about points of view, is that there's, there's typically a person who is right because, like, in the sense that we can understand their point of view, they're right from their point of view because they don't have all the information that other people do. And that person who doesn't have all the information, at least up until season three when we get into the eighth and stuff, always seems to be Cassie. So she's constantly being asked, like, trust me, trust me, trust me. But it's like, why won't anybody tell me the fuck what's going on?
2: Oh, that's it's that happens in season one as well. Because she's like, no, it's my mission, too.
0: Yeah, it happens constantly. Oh, that's she's annoying. Just like, what do you mean he's with you? And like, nobody tells her, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's always just like, I've made this sweeping statement. Just believe me. And it's like, wait, like, you know, yes, I've been in the future for eight months, but clearly some stuff's been going on here. So like. Before you just say, trust me, can we get, like, five seconds of, like, how in the fuck we just got to this roof? Right. Because this is insanity.
2: But or, like, mean, why are we trusting Jennifer? Like, why are we listening to Jennifer now? Like, especially the last time they met was, like, really... When did uh, Cassie and Jennifer meet when last? When she slapped
0: her. When she slapped her, right. That's what yeah. I was like. I don't think they yeah. met after that. I don't that, so. your crazy bullshit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because... Um, I've been thinking about, like, Cassie and Cole in season two. And if the theme, if the theme of the show and the theme of this season is saving a life versus taking a life, right? Like hope versus <laughs> revenge, um, or, or, or violence, um, and killing as the first option then who cassie becomes now means that she is often at odds with what seems to be the thesis do you know what i yeah, mean yeah that happens with her frequently right which so I- she's wrong about killing jennifer she's wrong about, she and ramsey are both wrong about going to titan it's not till we get to season 3 that then they're going to flip that and cassie's the one that's like symbolizing like the hopeful choice and Cole is the one, right? But like mm-hmm. the whole season. And so it's, it's, um it's interesting, right? Because you're right. She doesn't always have all of the information. Um, sometimes she has more information than other people, right? Like uh, Ramsey and Cole have no idea what the hell the messengers are, or she's the one that has the visions of Titan. But, but if the thesis of this season is, is choosing love and choosing hope, then Cassie's not going to do that. Like, Cassie's constantly set up against the thesis until we get to 212, because that's her journey, right? So is opening back up to that.
0: Well, it's interesting what, even back to when Alicia was talking about Alice in Wonderland and then tying it into the, the um, statement about how not every caterpillar becomes a butterfly. I mean, just strictly when you're making that point about how things go out of order and she's like look my finger's bleeding and then pricks it like you were saying about the white queen was that who it is mm-hmm. yep, that's, yeah that's I feel like Cat, uh, Cassie is the butterfly who turned into a caterpillar oh my god my heart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then back don't get me wrong you mm-hmm. know I mean there's mm-hmm. that new transition or she turns into something else altogether but a dragon I, a moth. <laughs> I feel like yeah. right I, I've always thought that that means a caterpillar turned into a moth <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I hate moths. So no, p- no, no, <laughs> there's
1: no difference between them other than how their wings laid flat or up. <laughs> like we just, we and just color. picked which it's color. Shudder. There's pretty moth. There's pretty moths. No, there's not. I- no, there's, not. there's only <laughs> yeah.
2: like tiny harmless moths, and I want to murder your family moths. <laughs> there's nothing in between. <laughs> just personal uh, yeah okay anyway
0: <laughs> scientific observation no big deal
1: i spend a lot of time with children at the at the butterfly room in the smithsonian <laughs> there's some pretty even though i have a like horrible fear of butterflies landing on me, but I suck it up and I go in Good there. Good for you! It's oh my free in Natural History every Tuesday, and I suck it up and I go in there, and it is like I li- I'm in terror, and I just want to get through. But there are some beautiful moths. In I there. have been That's to that saying. museum so many times because my parents lived in Baltimore for a while, and I never went in. <laughs> Oh, man. I I can't say no, but it is like facing my
0: phobia of bugs landing on me.
1: That's good. That's really good.
0: All the time. Okay, so.
2: (laughs) Continue, yes. In this car ride.
0: We, we, one of the things that we know the show does well is that they always allow people to have conversations. But this little uh, scene is a conversation that is going nowhere. Mm -hmm. they're talking at each other they're talking past each other the lines you know um i mean basically everything they're saying to each other is like an underhanded like they're just like slap you know oh yeah when when, um... oh who's that about or like (laughs) what happened to you in the future and why were you with him like everything is just like an accusation ramsey bringing up deacon yeah yeah, I
1: love – so I got to say, Aaron Stanford has some phenomenal what-the-fuck uh-huh. faces in this episode. And his face, when he says Deacon, is like, what the fuck? When he, like, turns back around to look at her, like, what is happening in the future? And um, her face is, like, damn right. Yeah. Um. But there's so much that they – like, these four people have so many different pieces of the puzzle, right? And so there's, like – the trying to figure out what the hell is going on but there's also the all of the personal like cassie is sitting in the car with the two people that she thinks cole has chosen over over her her. yeah and she's like seething when she says like in this really low voice why were you with him it's like the anger like you it's like palpable
2: i love i love that the anger comes from like oh somebody has like They've betrayed me, but by choosing this other person that I don't agree with. She's not saying directly that she disagrees with Cole because I feel like on some, not on some level, on a very obvious level, that's kind of what's happening with Deacon and Ramsey as well, right? Like they are at odds in a way because they're almost like fighting over Cole. Like I, I, like he is, he's kind of what represents like the brother or like the person that they want to influence and like, mm-hmm. and uh, like Deacon's, Deacon's like more upset than he needs to be at Ramsey because Cole
1: chose (laughs) Ramsey every time before. And when when Cassie and Ramsey have to do the lie detector exercise um, later in the season, Mm -hmm. they're – when you get down to the basic bone of contention between the two of them, it's because they both think Cole chooses one over the other. Um, And all of that is going on. Now you've added Jennifer to the mix. Oh, and yes. it's all just like, Cassie's like, I haven't seen this guy. I was stuck in the future and I haven't seen this guy. I've been thinking about him, right? Like it opened with that song playing and I, like – and now he, the two pe- he has chosen two people over me and now we're all stuck in the fucking car together which like
2: <laughs> and like it's the sad part is like Jennifer in that situ- in that like place knows that oh no he's always going to pick um and it's not even about love but, like in ju- it's just in terms of choosing people like he's always going to choose Cassie like even if it even if it is, has the worst results, which she tells him it will. <laughs> but like, um, so, so Cassie feels like they, like Cole has chosen them over her. Jennifer knows he's, oh, he's always going to choose Cassie because she's going through a whole spiral, um, on mm-hmm. her own. And then like Ramsey, like a, a pretty much in the next, like he, he gets sent off by, Gen- uh, by, um, Cassie. So he, like she, she basically makes that choice for Cole, like, that she's kind of, um not assigning, but, like, oh, sentencing, sentencing Ramsey to his death. So, like, she takes that away from Cole, so that gives him, like, actual reason to be mad at, like, they're, they're all so, like, yeah, it's like what Beep said, like, they're, they're all talking past each other, but, like, they all have good reason to, but nothing they're saying is landing on anyone else, because they're all feeling so betrayed,
0: Right, yeah. it's because they're talking at and past each other that nothing's actually being revealed. So nobody has the opportunity to grow and make different decisions. We're all just going to like be in this four-way here, deciding, like, and whoever has the upper hand at the moment is the one who's going to be driving the car and mm-hmm. the plot.
2: Oh, it's such yeah. a good scene. <laughs> it's
0: so good. It's so
1: painfully awkward. Uh, um, when they get to the airport... Um, I, I, there are also just some really, even, even when they're just opening the vial, um, Cassie's, there's a lot of beats, right? So when Cassie is angry at Ramsey for not helping mm-hmm. and he, I, I still, like, I think it is an incredibly selfless decision. I, I know people who, <laughs> don't have kids are like what the fuck it's 7 billion people but no stand for him there, to watch
2: that is like yeah. that's so hard i like i respect that he says like he's not like what he says it's like that he he won't stop them but that he's not gonna help like i feel like that's actually i mean given all of the terrible things that he has done too that's like a really grown-up thing for him to say that's like a very
1: sad and like mature place to be for for Ramsey. Right. Like, what more could you ask of a person in that moment? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But what I think is interesting is, like, uh, Cole's face, it is like, Cole is stuck in the middle Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, (laughs) Like, But he, you know, you really see it register on Cole's face in a way that it didn't in season one. What rant, what this means for Ramsey emotionally, what he is sacrificing. Um,
2: and I'm sure they've talked I, when they've been hanging out together, like they, they've been on the run together this whole time. Right. And, um, they've gotten like a and, chance to reacquaint themselves with each other.
1: Yeah. No, but I think there's a lot of really interesting character beats. Um, so, so Cassie opening the, um, one of the cases and she sees the vial and she's just like, again, like seething at the idea, right? Like, because think about it, from from Cassie's perspective, and if we just step back, like, look, I love Jennifer Goines; My heart breaks for her in this episode. But if we could just look objectively from Cassie's perspective, Jennifer was going to kill 7 billion people because she fucking wanted a purpose? Like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck?
2: And Cassie doesn't know until a few episodes or one or two episodes later. I don't know. She doesn't know until a few episodes later about Jennifer's, like, abusive background. Oh, absolutely. And she doesn't know about what she's gone through with Olivia and, like, that all the things that she was promised um, if she did this and, like, all of the insecurities that Jennifer has. Like, Cassie has no access to that until a couple episodes later. And when she does, Cassie stays with her. (laughs) like
1: Right, and shows such... Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. But, like, right now... She's so mad. It is a good... It's a good reality check when she opens that case to be like look audience like you may like jennifer Goines and you may feel sorry for her but what almost happened is super fucked up and so when cassie like grabs her i mean it's so like cassie grabs her by the hair right and like forces her to watch it's like it's rough like right yeah. like it's hard to watch a character yeah. you love do that to another character that you love but like it is really, I think, like truthful to that moment because what she almost did was her, like her, like it's like beyond words. Yeah. And so I think that that, like, it's a good, um, I don't know, like, if, if people are kind of wondering, like, why is Cassie so angry, like, stop and think about what Jennifer almost just did.
2: Well, so it's also, I mean, what what we're saying later on, which is that, oh, we saved somebody and that changed the world. That refers kind of to Ramsey, but mostly to Jennifer as well, or not, Cassie not shooting Jennifer. But um, if, even if she had, like, this is a horrible reality, but even if she had shot Jennifer, Cassie had said that, oh, their next plan was to go to the plane because Cassie knew, knows where the plane is. So, like, whether or not like, however the rooftop had gone down, had Cassie come out of that alive, even if she had come out of it alive, she would have still done this. Like, (laughs) or she would have still gotten to the plane and and destroyed the vials and stuff. So it has happened in a way that, like, everyone is still alive, but, like, it's still kind of Cassie enacting the plan. And she's like,
1: no one else is helping. (laughs) Everyone else is making it worse. But what I thought (laughs) was interesting, um, the moment, so here, you know, Obviously, Cassie is pistacole, but but the moment she still makes a like a kind of olive branch gesture when <gasps> yes, the yeah, so lighter when she she hands him the lighter, it's like this. This is still. This is what we set out to do, right? So you, I'm handing this to you, and you do it, and we're doing it together. So, she, and and then after it happens, she's talking to Cole. We will go back and we will figure out what happened, and we will figure this out with Jones. Right at that point in time, Cassie is still treating Cole like, even though there's. Obviously, some like disagreements between the two of them. She's not turning her back on him yet, right? Mm-hmm. It's not until she says we can't leave Ramsey and Jennifer here alone. Which you can play devil's advocate either yeah. side, right? <laughs> on the one hand, yeah, they wouldn't have stopped. They wouldn't have gotten to this moment without Ramsey and Jennifer's help. And Jennifer's in huge trouble with Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Um, Cole has told Cassie that Ramsey's being chased by them. You know, so on the one hand... And we know Cassie has a vendetta
0: against Ramsey with good reason. Right, right. like Cole said, we wouldn't be on this roof if it weren't for him helping us. He literally just said, like, they're chasing him. And Mm -hmm. Cassie's
1: like, who gives a shit? No, he... No, 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 Cole (laughs) does tell her that Ramsey gave them the information. So earlier in the episode, I can't remember if it was in the car. So she... Because I... Because we we do know that Cassie knows where the plane is,
2: but she but that's doesn't from the know.
1: Yeah, but Cole says I, I can't remember if it's at the car or the rooftop. Mm-hmm. But Cassie knows that the reason why Cole is there is because Ramsey helped them get there, and and she thinks that's bullshit. She thinks oh well oh it's when they're on the rooftop because Cassie's like oh well he's here oh because of the Chinatown information came from that one guy then that like
2: paralyzed Ramsey or is that no, it no she totally got of to it because
1: the nine one one call from the speed dater. I think right. Oh yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Cassie you got to so, it. I mean, needed, so, so yeah. It's like on the one hand, you have Jennifer and Ramsey, who have both made decisions contrary to the Army of the Twelve Monkeys that enabled them, in one for in one way or another, at varying degrees of contribution, to stop what happened and change and change time and burn the virus. Um, so, wanting to just put bullets in their head, like. You can see why Cole is like, what the fuck? On the the other hand, from Cassie's perspective, they have been in this like endless loop of every time they cut – It's right? Like the 12 monkeys is like a hydra. Every time you cut off one head, something else pops up and they always figure out a way to stay ahead of them, right? And they know that it hasn't worked entirely because they're all still there, right? So – Why would you leave these two people who we know have come, like, Ramsey helped the monkeys get the virus and Jennifer almost just dropped it off a rooftop. Why the fuck would you leave them in 2016 not knowing what they're going to do next when they have betrayed us before? So those are those, like, two opposing viewpoints. And I see why Cole is like, what the fuck? And I... I. I guess, like I personally am, like less. Let's shoot people in the head as the first option. So, but I can, a- <laughs> but I can absolutely see why Cassie thinks that that is a risk that you cannot take when seven billion people's lives are on the line. Well, especially
0: right? when your idea was let's shoot them in the head as the first option, as long as it was people you didn't care about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like like uh, Aaron. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: She brings that up too, right?
0: yeah at some point like that she needed to be saved from him or whatever but okay i have two questions Mm -hmm. one strictly logistical because i absolutely know that her handing him the lighter is an olive branch is she not only uh, also potentially concerned at being too close to that when it breaks open <laughs> oh yeah
2: he's immune so yeah i mean
0: <laughs> you I, do it. and maybe not but like
1: i was actually kind of wondering like if i were cassie i would not have been right there when it burned <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's also a doctor and knows the degrees at which the virus is killed right so burning the virus and bleach are the two ways we've been told so i'm gonna accept the schmyants and Dr. Rayleigh knew the risks, and so she managed them. But I that went through my mind too, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and then the other thing, and I don't even intend to play devil's advocate with this, essentially, or necessarily, because um, there are so many other things that go into it, and I think that if you're uh, talking about it strictly from this standpoint, then it normally turns inward. Anyways, whatever. You know I'm obsessed with, like, representations of mental illness, and, like, even though Jennifer turns out not to be crazy, like, there's definitely those elements of, like, you know, being not persecuted. Um She's haunted. She's a mm-hmm. haunted person. And when I look at that for someone who's been in a massively depressive or high anxiety, I'm not just talking about normal day-to-day. I'm talking about, like, full-on lengthy episodes of that kind of thing When it gets to the point in your head, and I'm not talking about literal voices, when it gets to the point where it gets as loud as she's describing, you would fucking do anything to stop it. And the reason why, though, I'm not directly comparing that is because I think a lot of more so that turns inward, which is why it ends in suicide, not let's kill 7 billion people. But she was promised that that thing that she needed to stop, like, more than anything else in the world, would stop if she just did this. And I don't think that she's coming from a place of, like, logic by any means whatsoever at this point.
2: Oh, Jennifer. Oh, my goodness. She's also, yeah. like, such a such a result of, like, neglect that, like, I mean, she, like, later, you know, like, why do I have to do bad things to get your attention? Like, uh, like, Olivia promises her this solution. And like, just as an audience member, you're like, there's no easy solutions to anything. And, and so like, she convinces herself that this is just going
1: to solve
2: all of her problems. And, and it's just like, it's so obviously not true
1: it's but that's i think that is like going back to what beep just said like Mm -hmm. that's a sign of her desperation um and we'll right because then
0: at the end she goes right back to the other extreme you know she's like fine i'm slit my wrist like i'm out i have to stop this Mm -hmm. one way or the other right uh
1: yeah that was beautifully put beep Mm -hmm. um but uh, so before they all get sent back, the one line that um, stuck out to me now on rewatch, now that we know what's really going on, and that Cole is the gen, is Cole says, you know, when he's like, his hands, he's like, time changed. Things should be different. But I'm still here. I'm like, oh, oh because it <laughs> can't get fixed if you're still there. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> there's there's another line towards the end this this episode has got some like doozies of uh we'll get to the other one that's about Cassie and Cole but like that line now you're like if Cole's still there then of course it's not fixed and we know that now right like it's just like the same when they're like well, but the virus still, you know, still breaks out in 2018. It's like, yeah, because you guys fucking dropped the vial at JFK Airport. Right? Like, so there's oh all these God, moments. Yeah. Watching right? Cassie's
2: anger is like, yeah, it's like emotionally so confusing because I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that's such a
1: good point. She's like, she's like, you know, grabbing Jennifer by the hair and like like, putting her face at what in you it. Like, did. And now I wish, like, Jennifer obviously doesn't know that, but maybe there's like primaries in her head being like, look, bitch you're the one who actually does it (laughs) (laughs) in every time right like that's what Ethan says like
2: she releases Uh. the plague but like she's yeah like watching it with context she's so angry and like there's it's so sad like there's a part of it where every every single person and like all four of them like they they have like at this moment in time, they all have such little self-worth, which kind of breaks my heart. Like Jennifer, we just talked about kind of, we, we know. Um, And, and Cassie, for example, doesn't find out about, about her story until later, but like we, we kind of know what's going on with Jennifer, but like the fact that Cole, like, yes, it's the mission that, you know, once they, once they figure things out, he won't be there. But like the fact that he's saying like, he's still here. And like, that's, that's d- disappointing. <laughs> it just I, like there is something really sad about that. And and even like um even Ramsey kind of accepting that he's like not fighting anymore, that his son will be gone at this point and like it's just there's no fight left in him for that. Like I I've, like every single person is just like at, at their low point in terms of self-worth and thinking how, like that they're important to the cause. Which, yeah. which is just like, it's such a, like, terrible place to be. And of course, then, then, like, this, as the season goes on, you, that, that changes and, and they, um, I mean, especially with Ethan and everything, then they really realize how, like, intricately, um, important they are, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. But like, at, like, this early on, they all just are kind of, be- feeling very unimportant and very worthless.
1: And I'm just like, no, you're so important. <laughs> mm, I know, I know. But um, when Cassie makes the decision to send Ramsey and then splinter away herself, um, I love like, um, I, I. A lot of people have come on and, and folks associated with the show have talked about the kind of like, just like acting chemistry that Aaron Stanford and Amanda Scholl had. But what I like really admire I admire it so much because in this episode, the chemistry, the way it's playing out is so different, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it doesn't matter if it's, like, banter or romantic. Like, here, it is Cassie being, like, you forgot the mission, right? Um, And you're letting your emotions get in the way, and she is so fierce. And then Cole's, what the... Again, what the <laughs> fuck face is so good, right? And you totally... Because of the, because like that, like, because of the acting in that moment, I totally like just feel like what both characters are feeling. Um, and it's, uh, and maybe, maybe the first time I watched, I was more on the cold, what the fuck face because, but like now, like when you rewatch it and you really like kind of dig into like what was Cassie's point of view, um, it's just, it's so good. But like right before she splinters away, even though she's taking that hard line and she is making, it's like that decision to like leave him stranded. Like forever. There's no reason to think that she's gonna see him again. She you do have that beat where you see the remorse and she says, I'm sorry. Um, and that's just like a consistent thread, like just through this episode, but also like Cassie taking the hard line and then you see kind of like how she Yeah, you see inside her. Cassie being like, Oh, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So we so I who, think the, that in
0: some ways that's less about her seeing that he's like a wild card and you know is off mission which for sure i mean i get that perspective from her right now but i feel like in some ways he is a liability for her Mm -hmm. which is why she's like i can't even if you're not right on the same page with me like Mm -hmm. i can't have you fighting me because i can't like you're you compromise me
2: and the fact that he's still there like they know that they the mission isn't over so like she does need to get back
1: to work Right. There's a lot – like, there's a lot to unpack there. Like, Beep, I think you're right. There's many levels of emotion. There's – if he's not on the same page as me, then I got to shut this down because he's going to he, – like, when she's saying you're letting your emotions get in the way, her worry is then they will – then she will let her emotions get in the way, right? And it will compromise her right. decision. Right. And has
0: she it. not? I mean, because even though this is, like, such a tense standoff, like – Up until the point where she sends Ramsey and and doesn't take him. She does everything that Cole asks of her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also,
1: like, a kind of personal betrayal. Like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when when Cassie goes back and tells um, Jones that Cole has abandoned the mission, she makes a point to be like his emotions, right? Like he's emotionally compromised. And then she says Ramsey and she says Jennifer. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely like some, why is he choosing these people over me? And they play with it a little bit, but like, you know, this from Cole's perspective, Cassie doesn't know this. This is the episode where sort of if there were any romantic tension between Cole and Jennifer, it comes to a head and then dissipates. But like Cassie isn't, like she's she like their last meeting, she sees the way Jennifer was like up in his face and like jealous of her and all of that. Yeah, so- the beat
2: is there because it the, it's the same way in the car the that beat with Deacon is there. Like they have placed it in there where it doesn't go anywhere, but it still lands for Cassie and Cole individually. And they're they're still Betray, like i mean cole continues to be betrayed by the deacon thing <laughs> for a while <laughs> but um but cassie is dead like there's a real sense of like she's saying the word her words are saying you betraying the mission but her face is saying you're betraying me <laughs> and ah, that's clear exactly. like throughout like everything that- and yeah right up until her scene with jones too she's like she's just it's like, she's so clearly, like, personally mad and she's trying to be like, this is what is happening. But she's she's furious, like Cassie, not forget the mission or anything like that,
1: which right. oh. and it's very it's very human, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's funny that Cassie, there's a lot of reasons why Cassie and Cole are both annoyed respectively by Jennifer and Deacon <laughs> that have nothing to do with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Jennifer has been a bitch to Cassie and it can be (laughs) extremely frustrating to like try and deal with when you feel like you have time pressure and you're trying to save seven billion people. Deacon is like, dude, we saw Deacon in season one. Cole has plenty of reasons (laughs) to be like, why the fuck is everybody cozy with this guy? But it's also just being human beings to have been separated for a year. And then you smash back together and now Cole's picking, like, picking Jennifer over Cassie's point of view and at the end, like, Cole's like, yeah, I see everyone's cozy with Deacon, right? It's, like, so human to, like, be, like, that thing that, like, kind of sticks in your gut and is, like, annoying you because it's also just about the personal and they're jealous. Right? Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> so. And there's yeah. even, there's like a, a weird level of like when she is telling Jones that Cole isn't coming back and Jones is visibly upset about it. And um, like she's saying, okay, like Cole is no longer part of the mission and like I'm the mission now. Like <laughs> you, you're, you're, it's like kind of left unresolved. And then at the end when Cole comes back and, and Jennifer or Jennifer Jones and and Cole are talking and like, she's like, you know, they're, they're once again, kind of, um, like saying okay we're in this together like it kind of makes me sad for Cassie because like Cassie's like not the first choice here mm-hmm. <laughs> like clear like like Jones is so relieved I mean knowing what she knows about her interactions with Cole and whatever but like Jones is, is clearly relieved that, that Cole is back and like okay they're in this together and everything and she's his grandma no. but <laughs> 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 but like but it, it was it's kind of like it's a weird place for Cassie to be because she's clearly like just playing a part here or that's what it feels like. And so it's, it's like upsetting on a second level for Cassie where she's like, oh, she's being this person, but it's not even like the person that, that they were originally looking for or wanting, which is really sad.
1: Well, so if that takes us to 24, Forty four. We have the r- really, really cool, like the music and the visual of the montage of time changing, which I think I remember from another podcast. Took like months to put that all together um, to edit it. Oh, wow. Um But what is interesting about it is, you know, it like so many of the decisions on this show, it it begins big with that with the evidence board shifting, right? And Jones looking at that kind of in wonder. But then it felt like it it funnels down to the personal because Jones is running to her room to see if the Hannah blanket, like what what is going on with the Hannah blanket?
2: I had a question about that. So Time Expert, why was the Hannah blinking and then it was, like, more clear than before, right? Like, is that just, like, a symbol to us, like, because the daughters are there later? Or, like, was that, was there something, like, it came back brighter, right? Or am
0: I crazy? I didn't see that part, no. Okay, okay. As far as it coming back any different than it was.
2: Okay, so it just sort of, like, flickered. Or maybe
0: it was, like, already flickering, you know what I mean? Like, in this scene specifically, Mm -hmm. like, when she pulled it out, it was kind of faded Mm -hmm. already. You know what I mean? Like, that wasn't necessarily part of, It wasn't meant to come back that way. My thought process was, one, like, everything was in flux. Two, theoretically, Mm -hmm. the change they made could have been much bigger. And it's almost like time was trying to figure out, like, can I do this? Like, can I not? I don't know. Like, maybe there were bigger changes. And it's almost like it couldn't abide that because of the things that it needs Jones and Hannah and all that to do because of Cole specifically. You know, it's like he can't go away but I also think that it was she was there to see like my thought process on that would be a couple things like was does Hannah still exist at all mm-hmm. you know did did something change to where like she doesn't even have her or you know was that blanket just like gone I, I, I think that did she not die that's exactly and that's I think that blanket to her is such an a representation of Hannah herself that it's like if Hannah had been there, she would run to make sure that Hannah was still there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like she needed to see what happened to that because it's literally her only link to her one.
1: hmm
2: I was wondering, so this takes place in the timeline that they did Lullaby, right? It's the same time um the same timeline so I was like is the blinking like just the times that they like don't save hannah <laughs> oh my god oh.
0: that's
1: actually a really good thought that's a really great thought that's fun um
0: it's like all all of the all the failed <laughs> yeah. attempts in lullaby each blinking not dead dead not de- oh wait oh no yep now she's definitely <laughs> right. we're that
2: fine we're fine that
1: there's like a, there's two things so there's two things going on when Cassie, you know, other than the like the kind of personal uh, the personal that's going on both within Cassie and within um Jones about Cole quote unquote abandoning the mess mission which He hasn't. It's just the mission as they define it. Right. It's it's the means they want to use, not not the end goal. What they're disagreeing over is the means.
0: Well, we can say this, though. I mean, uh, the one thing you can look at from their perspective, even if they want to go in like guns a blazing, at least they like have a plan. What is his plan?
1: But he's been stranded. What the fuck is his plan supposed to be? Like, (laughs) he and Ramsay have been (laughs) doing as much as they can. They're fucking blowing up cars on bridges. Like, what what are they supposed to do when they're stranded? And by the way, Jones is fucking – she always knew he was going to be stranded. Mm -hmm. Right? And so – uh, so I mean, you know, I love that they don't leave that dangling, right? When Cole, comes, I'm
2: assuming because he has to go to six oh seven, like he has to, he calls from a different
1: room, and and Jones knew the whole time where she could fucking find him and bring him back. She wrote it down in her journal, right? So it confirms in the phone call he says, "Write it down in your journal." They show us Jones looking at her journal. She mentions her journal to Eckland. So she, we know, like, you know, Jones wrote down that date in her journal. So when Cassie and so Jones always knew that she could find Cole in room 607 on August, whatever, 2016, Mm -hmm. she always knew that when Cassie tells Jones, he's abandoned the mission. What's going on in Jones's head is she is deciding to leave him stranded there. Yeah. And it's not until the daughters force her hand to bring him back that she brings him back. So, like, and I never, I have to say that, like, it wasn't until rewatching it, like, the second time for, for this week that I, that I, like, put that all together. Like, she's making an active choice in her head to not bring him back because she knows where she can find him like Cassie doesn't know that but Jones does
2: That's a really good point cuz I thought I thought there was something like time related that she had to wait but you're right that it's it's because of the daughters like And the, the daughters call her out
1: on that they say mm-hmm. you hung up on him and you chose not to bring him back. Yeah. And they call her out. And at the end, that's, Je- that's old Jennifer through the daughters calling Jones out saying, I know you know where he is right now because I was in that room when you had the phone conversation. And so that's something that just never hit me until this last time of watching that Jones has made a choice. Both Cassie and Jones have separately made choices to leave Cole abandoned in 2016, which sucks.
0: <sighs> <laughs> right like, they're working off the same information so why would they necessarily make different choices jones has always known that like ramsey is a you know crippling emotional point for cole
1: no i'm not saying that i don't uh, i guess i under i i what like i can see their point of view as to why they think he's a liability for their varying reasons right at well, and I think Jones has decided, based on Cassie's
2: commitment, that this is an acceptable new person to take over, and has taken over, and has already accomplished, from Jones's point of view, clearly Cass- sending Cassie back, they have been successful in, like, pushing the plague back, so I think Jones... If yeah if it's what you're saying then she's deciding that okay well we can go ahead with Cassie totally right. fine cuz at this point they don't know yeah. that Cole is like involved in any yeah, other no, way. Yeah no I'm
0: just
1: it's not that I don't understand like with all of these the show is so well written that I always understand the point of view of a character even when I disagree with them. All I'm saying is that we we've talked we talked a lot last time and this time about how betrayed Cassie would feel. But by, by, by the choices that Cole has made and choosing other people over her, um, et cetera, et cetera. All I'm pointing out is that in this episode, the two people in this mission closest to Cole both made affirmative decisions to leave him stranded forever in 2016. And the plague is coming in two years and going through the whole apocalypse, like, all, like, right? They're leaving him stranded in that. And and it never really hit me that 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 was an affirmative choice that Jones made until, like, Today, when I rewatched it, like, it had never hit me. And I've watched this episode a couple times. So, again, like, maybe I'm – Yeah, that's a – I mean, they they clearly don't want to bring him back, which is – it's really funny because, like, how
2: annoyed Cassie is when she hands him the note about, like, I found my purpose. Well, and
1: I think Jones (laughs) – I think Jones is kind of bitchy, too, when he first comes back. yeah. Like, you know, they get there. Like, they reconcile far earlier than Cole and Cassie do, but, like – um that is he hasn't been back since divine move and that welcome sucks deacon's fucking laughing at him Mm -hmm. and jones is basically like the most jones you could ever be which is being like welcome Mm -hmm. back mr cole like it's no big fucking deal that was good (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like with with like zero like Sorry I was gonna leave you stranded Sorry you've been stuck in 2016 be, Like living hey, it, in- nothing can bring Jones down She's riding that high of listening to music <laughs> so
2: that's all I'm saying but, Like
0: It's um I think part I'm, of that too though is like Jones is operating out of principle Because we're still dealing with like Mega causality Jones And I think mm-hmm. to some degree Like at this point she's bitter as fuck At him Like, I told you not to call me back. And I know she wrote it down and all that stuff, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you're fucking with time and I told you to stop doing this.
1: Yeah, but that was 30 years ago. What's her reason? Like, I'm talking about the decision. I'm not, I get why. A
0: woman can hold a grudge? What the fuck are you talking about?
1: (laughs) No, like, I I mean, I understand why she, I mean, it's, it's, it's I I don't enjoy well, I, mean, I don't enjoy side. watching her hang up on him right but like at that point in 2044 when she decides not to bring him back the causality loop that got Cole on the mission and all of that has already happened she's making a choice mm-hmm. from that point on that he is no longer part of this mission and then at the end of this episode she asks Are you with me and Cole forgives her and says Yes like it's
2: Hey, yeah, that's a little—that's fast, actually. It's quite—I <laughs> I didn't think about you that. You know, it because I think all of his emotional like conflict is all kind of with Cassie. That that this this falls through the cracks a little bit for sure, Um and especially because Jones is so happy that they have affected positive change, but like she's sort of just like. Quietly been like, let's not talk about the fact that I didn't want to bring you back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do they do they even talk about it? N- no, right? I don't think they. But she did, did want really- to bring
0: him back. I mean, she sent the tether with Cassie, and then she just trusted Cassie's judgment that he wasn't part of it anymore.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's definitely what happened. Like she she believed like what what Cassie said, which is that he's not committed. Like I'm sure on some level she she was betrayed by that too. Mm-hmm. Like or felt betrayed by that like oh we were supposed to do this together and now this is what Cassie's saying
0: yeah and how Ramsey was working against them you know and went back and was working with the monkeys for like 30 fucking years and we're just gonna give him a pass Mm -hmm. because no worries you know yeah, no, I'm yeah. not – they
1: forgive each other very quickly. Well, that, that's they true. do and they don't. <laughs> there's <laughs> They do and they don't. There's some there's some grudges that, that don't get resolved until, <laughs> like, the end of season four. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so let's – And I love how Jones
2: is just, like, fully not involved with, like, Ramsey's torture <laughs> and all
1: of that. She doesn't – I don't think she – well, she knows he's being tortured. She doesn't know – when Cassie says it, like as an aside to Whitley about bringing Sam into the equation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if Jones not not that I mean you know Jones murdered a lot of people at Spearhead, yeah. So because
2: yeah. Jones is the one that like Cole appeals to to like let Ramsey have some freedoms later too, yeah. right? Like she she is the one that like is the first person other than Cole to be like, all right, Mr. Ramsey, like, um, cause that's
0: exactly how But she at sounds. least up until this point, Jones has always given zero fucks about Ramsey. This is
1: true. Even though, by the way, as he pointed out,
0: he funded the entire fucking
1: project. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So let's talk about Ramsey. Ramsey is irrelevant to Jones. Let, yeah. Let's talk about Ramsey because, um, uh, Deacon makes the point that, um, judgmental Ramsey from season one, who was, um, calling Deacon a monster in Atari is the one that helped the army of the 12 monkeys get the virus. And Deacon skillfully, like, points that out, right? Like, what help me understand that? Like, we're the biggest fucking hypocrite in the world. On the other hand, if you think about from Ramsey's perspective, he has been on the run from the Army of Twelve Monkeys for about a year. He has just made the affirmative decision to sacrifice his son to help them save the world, and it lands him in a jail cell getting tortured. <laughs> that- That sucks. So, like, I totally get Deacon's point of view, but given what Ramsey has just done and has willing, like, what he was willing to do and all it gets him is being tortured and fucking waterboarded by Deacon is, wow. uh.
2: Oh, yeah. And the circle of being, like, doing all of this and like even be agreeing to let his son be sacrificed to come back to a point where Cassie
1: like, I'm going to hurt your son if you don't tell Yeah, like, It's just, what a terrible circle. It's a terrible <laughs> bit. What I think is interesting is like so much of this episode, as we talked about before, is about people changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Ramsey has evolved from a person who put the one, his one over the many, to now putting the many over the one. But people are still judging him, understandably but like but for past mistakes and he's getting zero credit right now for how he has evolved which you know we know and uh, cassie and deacon
0: and jones have every reason to be suspicious of it but i don't read um, his evolution as being that drastic i read him as having given up I, I don't somebody i don't read who gives, him as being like i mean because he's actively somebody like, ge- to som- help you guys like but somebody who happens
1: no somebody who gives up could have just told cole they're going to be in New York and walked away. Like
2: he's Cuz though I mean the way he walks away after Sam disappears, right?
1: Yeah. Like he leaves at that point, but right now he's like I mean he's re- very- he's resigned because he's his son like the end of this mission in some ways is like w- what Cassie's facing in season 4. The person's the most is most important to him if they succeed is going to be erased. So like he's resigned, but I don't think he gave up because he was helping Cole.
0: Let me explain what I think he gave up. Okay. I think that he no longer believes he has any, like, authority or sway to get his way anymore. Meaning, like, I just think, what is he going to do at this point to, like, get, you know, to, like, make all this happen? Before, he was, like, actively participating, and now he's just like, well, I've done everything I can do, like, whatever. He feels like an observer, right? <laughs> he feels like an observer in, in like, he's a
2: prisoner and all of that, but, like, he very much feels like like a piece that doesn't fit in all of the other, everything else that's going on.
0: And I also feel like he thinks he's lost his son already anyway.
1: Right. I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to be resigned that way when he hasn't seen his son in 25 years. Absolutely. It's going to be so different I mean. when his son's in front of him. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Wait, let it be known that I don't think Cassie – like, the way she acts about, like, that was one of those hardcore things. Oh, she brought his son or whatever. But, like, later when she's, like, taken over by the witness and she has this – like, she feels horrible about that. So, Absolutely, yeah. I think it's, like, such a front that she brings – it. like, she's never going to hurt this kid in, like, her actual
1: Cassie-ness. It's a a front and it's an interesting callback because when, Mm -hmm. you know – when uh, Cole and Ramsey once again find themselves like they were in C- like early right <laughs> they're like back in a jail cell at Raritan um because Jones has put them there just like they started um when he says no Cassie wouldn't do that and Ramsey's like you don't know her anymore that 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 thread will get picked back up and Meltdown when Cole knows that the one thing Cassie like he does know her. Um, Mm -hmm. He knows that there are certain lines that she wouldn't cross even while being controlled with the witness, like, hurting him. And then when that does happen to Sam, that, like, destroys Cassie. Yeah. And drives her on this, like, revenge mission to kill the witness, you know, also... With Ramsey, Right. I mean, he's also, like, you know, basically, like... Took over her mind and invaded her mm. autonomy and everything. Like, it's awful. But, but, but that is, but, but when Cole says she wouldn't do that, right? I, I think so too. That was a front. Like, and she's almost like mm-hmm. the face she's making when she's like holding Sam in front of Ramsey is, is so <laughs> like maniacal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that's like, you know, it, it's a front. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like she needs him to believe that she would do that because otherwise Deacon said, we're going to kill him. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and then at what point, like, even if she's not worried about killing Ramsey, like, that gets, that doesn't get any information. Like, what purpose does that serve? So, um, oh, Deacon, Deacon, in this I scene. I know. It's a lot. Like, let's tie really quick. Before we jump into this phenomenal Deacon and Ramsey scene, the one thread, because we just talked about Jones with the Hannah Blanket. And we just talked about Ramsey in that scene with his son, where he comes face to face with the son he hasn't seen for twenty five years. That then cuts to the daughter invading the facility and kidnapping Jones and we were talking about this offline because I thought, oh my god, that is that Hannah and the way a- it's, Hannah. It, it's supposed to be, Hannah, right? Like Amazon, yeah, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Okay, because it's different. Amazon Prime lists the actress in that scene as a different actress, and I, I meant to go look to see.
0: I, I don't. I maybe didn't Brooke see Williams- on IMDb that that person was even listed. There were there were not that many actors listed for that episode. So maybe Brooke Williams just hadn't been cast yet.
1: But it is intended. Like the way she moves, the way the face is is covered up, Her and outfit. you guys meant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it, well, and that flash—the one flash, like, scene outside where it's just like a momentary flash on her face. Like, I—I I mean, it, either that's just somebody
1: made to look like her, or it could have easily been added in later. Um, yeah, if it, right? if, like I think. even if it's not Hannah, it is—it's her. But, yeah. but <laughs> like, right. But even if it, even if it was, like, we can just be like, we'll pretend that it was. But even if it, but yeah. even if it wasn't, <laughs> it is. Cutting from Ramsey coming face to face with the son that he hasn't seen for him in over 20 years and cutting to one of the daughters where Jones's daughter is. And that's mm-hmm. the blanket that she was clutching earlier in the episode. And I had never picked up on that. And that's just, like, such great, like... Cutting from from Ramsey to that, and and what, and their kidnapping, and what Jones doesn't know is that her daughter's there. It's so good, like it's totally foreshadowing lullaby. I like
2: paused it and like went frame by frame because I was like, oh my god, because I don't, I didn't catch the first flash either. I was just like. Cause yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect that because I, we didn't know until later. <laughs> so there's no way to connect it really. Yeah. Um, cause we don't find out until lullaby. And like, so, so seeing it now, I was like, Oh my God, it's like supposed to be a symbol of her. Right. Like it's whether or not it's her, her, but like it's supposed to represent her for sure.
1: And it's, oh, it's such good timing. Yeah. Okay. So the scene with Deacon and Ramsey, just like starting off is so phenomenally acted. By both Todd Stashwick and Kirk Asti, though, like it's it, it's so good, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, like the There's so much face acting going on. Oh there. my gosh! So, <laughs> um, I love that. Like, so let's let's get to the deacon. All uh, the the most stuff to dig into is the deacon of it all. The one observation, like the one thing that I thought while watching Ramsey in this scene is the Ramsey that used to confront Deacon in season one with Atari was very, like, earnest and principled, right? And, like, calling out Mm -hmm. right and wrong. This Ramsey... Ooh, gives no fucks. (laughs) But this is a Ramsey that was trained by Olivia. Mm -hmm. Because what he does in this scene is there is a total imbalance. It, like, reminds me of his prison scene. There's a total imbalance of power. He's being held by two guards and being tortured by Deacon and being waterboarded, right? He has zero advantage in this scene. And yet he knows exactly what to say to Deacon and how to say it and how to like twist the knife after what he reveals and then dares them to waterboard him again. Yeah,
2: Ramsey's like winning
1: the torture. Yeah, you know, like (laughs) he not only, he not only like strips Deacon bare, he then even takes away the power of retaliation. And the whole mm-hmm. scene just rem- like I'm just like oh man that's a Ramsey who read the art like you know the art of war in prison and and studied it. Yeah, at f- I mean
2: the fact that Deacon has to and like is aware that he has to take himself out of the situation. Like Ramsey completely is in control of like um and and I, I he almost I mean it's not like he knew he was going to be in this exact situation, but the fact that he did go to check up on, because I believe his story. Like, uh, and, and it's clearly true because you can tell from Deacon's face, right. that, like he knows like, Oh, this is, this is real. Um, it's not just some bullshit that Ramsey's making up. And, and, uh, like, like, oh my God, Ramsey Ramsey is in like complete, but it breaks my heart for Deacon on that. On right.
1: that. Well, yeah. I mean, the other interesting thing is Ramsey says that it, it ties back to the theme of the episode of Metamorphosis. How do we get to be who we are? And that's why Ramsey said he went back. He wanted mm-hmm. to understand how Deacon became who he was. And, you know, what he describes with it just makes your heart hurt to think about these two little boys watching. Well, their th- and
2: interestingly, Ramsey went to find out how Deacon became who he was when Ramsey knew him. Now that he has come here, Deacon has also changed. Like so, so the deacon that Ramsey knew before or was expecting, yes, he's torturing him. I understand, but like it's not the same deacon. This is a deacon that has been around Cassie for months. Or he has been around Jones for months. Like he's been protecting this facility for months. Like it's a very different deacon. So it's like it's it's like from Deacon's point of view, it's like so unfair because he's like, listen, I'm trying, and this is what you bring up,
1: <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, so yeah, that's an interesting point because Deacon's changed a lot, mm-hmm. or not as much as he will. But he has changed yeah. since the Deacon that we saw in season one, which is the last time Ramsey interacted with him, mm-hmm. when, when Deacon ordered him to be killed. Yeah, just from that time to now, it's like, oh, Deacon has also gone through a lot. It's just they don't
2: – he doesn't – Ramsay doesn't know that. Like, Ramsey's just like, oh, yeah, this is what made him like the psychopath that I know.
1: Yeah, but like Todd Stashwick's acting in this scene oh, to, so that goes from <laughs> – the the swagger of the slow clap like mocking Ramsey for being father of the Year. and then the way he kind of turns his head when Ramsey mentions New Rochelle and then it starts like you you see it like it dawning on him. and then the idea that he owes, you know, it goes back to the theme of their fates are intertwined and the yeah. interconnectedness because he owes the fact that his mother wasn't beaten to death by his father that day to, to the man he's beating.
2: Ah, uh, it's the like, it's the worst. And and Deacon, I mean, what I was saying earlier, like Deacon has a vendetta against Ramsey from before because of Cole. Like, he – there's, like, a personal, like, you are – you are stealing people (laughs) from me. Like, you – like, this – like, Cole could have been his, like, protege or whatever, too. Like, it's – there's just so much, like, every
1: thread connects them. And we hear about that younger brother. We're going to hear more about that younger brother when he – uh, when they turn him over to the foreman, but we'll hear about that young, we heard about that younger brother for the first time in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that it is like a younger brother
2: and like Ramsey has been consistently in the last, since they have made up, has been calling Cole brother. Um, It's just like, oh, like this is just rubbing salt in this wound that we didn't know Deacon had and we're realizing and uncovering as
1: we go along. Yeah, it is one scene that like moves Deacon's like our understanding of the layers to Deacon, then going into that, that like that they, they accomplished that in one scene. Um, and, and then, um, it goes right to his scene with Cassie and you th- it's talk about like, Talk about metamorphosis! Like the last episode, oh. he was the one training Cassie. Cassie's now the one calling the shots, and like the he puts t- his hand over her hand, and I was like, "Man, I know." <laughs> she, like, oh, she's My touching heart. his face. Like, there's tenderness between them that is a mind fuck to the audience when we watch it for the first time, <laughs> right? And his like ma- again, his
2: maturity that like he needs to remove himself from the situation. Like Deacon has somehow like we're like oh my god he's grown or was he like this all along or like there's just so much conflict as an audience member like oh wait wait what am i feeling <laughs>
1: right and the fact that cassie is like so you know she's tender but she's the one who is shrewd and level-headed and it's like look mm-hmm. he's getting he's doing the skin under your skin and we have leverage that you haven't thought of yet and that's his son so oh. it tells you a lot about deacon yeah. it also tells you a lot Lot about Cassie, like that's not to say that Cassie, when push came to shove, would actually harm a little boy. I'm, um, but mm-hmm. but she. Well, Deacon
2: she, wasn't even there, right? When she bring, it's like her and Whitley that bring Yeah back. So we don't even know how involved he was in bringing right. of the sun,
0: <laughs> right? uh for those of us on the outside, though, you know, not necessarily as um, involved in some of you guys are. I ship them. So hard.
2: <laughs> Deacon and gonna Cassie? Say, yep. yep.
0: It, they're easy to ship,
2: honestly. I'm like diehard casserole shipper, but like I get it because like Deacon makes so much positive change for himself, probably because of Cassie. Like I, I it feels that way, that he becomes a better man.
1: And Jennifer, but... So I have to say, I have come around to being... I was not a fan, and so of that happening, and I was unbelievably re- relieved when they didn't go full love triangle with it. And I mean, and although, clearly, like I listened to Amanda today, being like, "That's the title of your episode." <laughs> but- ah, right, but, but like, yeah, but like, I I I was really relieved in the way that, like, my I was like, "Oh man, I do like." It's it's fun to watch the jealousy, but I was I was dreading that it was going to be a full blown love triangle, mm-hmm. and like I really love their relationship where it ends up. I have a lot of sympathy for Deacon, both at the end of this season and at the beginning of season three, when it's clear he has like feelings for her and. Uh, you know, like I, well, and feels so overlooked, both- overlooked and underappreciated. Like I had a lot of sympathy for him, but I was never into it. <laughs> I, <sorry>. I, well, <laughs> I love how so both with Deacon and then also with Jennifer.
2: Like I love that they're like, oh, oh, look, there's some tension. Maybe is it romantic? Just kidding. Everyone's friends. Like mm-hmm. I love, I love how well the show does that because we never, like, we never doubt really the depth of like i mean with cole and jennifer we see it a lot but with even with um cassie and deacon i don't think i ever like question the depth of their like trust for each other or how much cassie believes that deacon is especially later on like after the timeline has changed like how good of a man deacon is and like that the depth of their connection is still established and i think that is awesome like that there's you know, that they kind of sidestep this or they, they – they don't even really sidestep it. They say, oh, it happened and then we're moving on. But, like, yeah, wh- where they end up is so beautiful. Like,
1: they're such good, I, like, yeah. friends. And, and- I love – like, I love Deacon. I think they have great chemistry acting together. And I was unbelievably moved by that scene between the two of them in the finale. I just didn't want them to date. <laughs> that's all like that's all it comes down to but like if this had been a show on the cw oh my god it would have <laughs> we would have had this time times. jump. Yeah. we would have had this time jump and like cassie would have been like making out with deacon in front of cole and cole would have dated jennifer and it would have been like which not like, even, doesn't not even like it's it's so comical to think about it because it like doesn't
2: ring true at all to like who they have been shown to be as a, like, in the show right. and we've only seen one season of it, but like, right. Like right. it's only been 13 or 15 episodes at this point, but like, we already feel like we know so much about them and that like, we know what would feel true and what wouldn't feel true, like
1: for, for their character. That's just the show being good at showing us where they're at emotionally. So so okay, I I said a CW show, but maybe that wasn't fair because speaking of another sci-fi show that had people marry other people and filled us in after a time jump, we have our first Battlestar guest star,
2: <laughs> Doctor Ackland! yay. I love Dr. Sol- Eklund so much. <laughs>
1: Soul tie without an eye patch. <laughs> I love the way he is watching Jones. Oh my God. She's from talking. the table. Yes. He's crushing uh, so hard on her. I yes. love it.
2: <laughs> and also like his like, just the acting of he's trying to gauge where like, because she's probably like, either she's talking a little bit different. Like you can see that there's some like, he's perplexed a little bit too. Like. Hmm. What's going on? And like, (laughs) um, I mean, she tells him later, of course, but like when when she's talking and they're all around the table, like his eyes are just glued to her, like trying to figure this out. And it's awesome.
1: Yeah, he's so like he's looking at her with such affection. I love it. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't celebrate that Dr. Lasky is alive. Uh, Lasky's just gonna die in every reality of this. Oh, <laughs> poor Lasky. So but he's so uh, great. His face when he's like, wait, I died, and then is like, I prefer this reality. It's so I love his so like
2: great. Elton John glasses. They just like every time I see him, they make me happy. He
1: has, like, the pink oh, no. glasses. You're um, like, Dr. Lasky, you will someday be playing chess with Dr. Rapp. Yeah. Like, you made it. You're going to die again. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> but you'll make yeah. it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Lasky is adorable. <laughs> I – so I have to say I enjoyed – I enjoyed Dr. Eklund so much because, f- first of all, like, it it's quite a blow that you are in love with someone and snap your fingers you, you didn't even exist and, and it's like jones doesn't mean it but it is like i'm sorry you weren't a part of my reality like <laughs> fucking ouch right it's
2: like the worst i love it, that oh, what line it- it's like the most jones thing to say because she like doesn't know who he is either so it's like not like she doesn't it's not that she's she is absolutely tactless in many situations but like she doesn't mean to be or whatever like it's just a, a fact
1: <laughs> right. But like, I love that she's like, so just like, sorry, you weren't a part of my reality. And the way he's just like, well, wow, it's gonna be awkward when you come to bed tonight. Jones is oh. so shaken by that. It's amazing. Right? You don't see her rattled by like, personal interactions like that ever. Right? And and he just, I love how he went, he like, he goes back, he packs up his stuff. Um, oh he's which, so sweet. Oh my god. Which by the way, I actually thought when they did the you know when they did the time lapse with like mm-hmm. time changing, I'm like, "Oh gosh, time is moving Dr. Eklund's stuff into Jones's apartment <laughs> because it wasn't there right. before." <laughs> oh. And then and then he's packing it up, but I love like um his whole the way he's he's so unfazed. <laughs> right? He's not she it's back up to those walls around her mm-hmm. and he is like undeterred mm-hmm. like he's gonna break them down again and he will and i fucking love this show for giving a woman over 60 a sex life like it doesn't happen on tv a lot ever right like you had like well laura roslin wasn't even right like mary mcdonald and wasn't for her- not
2: and like not for not making it about like like nothing in the situation suggest because it's not but nothing in the situation also suggests that like there's something wrong about Jones reacting that way, or like, oh come on, Jones, like take him back. No, like he's just like this is a thing that happened, and all couples have obstacles. This is an obstacle that we're having. Like it's so like relaxed and low key. Like I-, I love it. I love it.
1: I love it. I love it's. I, it. I, it. I love that it's two older actors like showing showing people. Uh, maybe it's because I'm 41, but like showing people <laughs> who are older, like. Finding love and that they are sexual beings, like right, like and like even usually these, like, it's only- and like cute. Yeah. I love it.
2: <laughs> anyway, so I her so her showing up like this is maybe jumping ahead, but like her showing up when he's leaving and then she like backs out. It like it's so like
1: it's She's so cute. cute. She's so it's rattled. Cute. It's so great. <laughs> you know, a couple podcasts ago, Aaron had said that you know the fact that the fact that you have. A man able to break down Jones's walls and for her to, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, she says she doesn't love him, but at least feel like affection and, a, and a connection with him and, like, seeking pleasure and, like, a moment for herself tells you a lot about how she's transforming since the Jones that we first met, like, in season one. That she's Mm -hmm. allowing that peace for herself despite the mission. She's opening herself back up, which is kind of, Well, and even
2: learning that she was able to in this other reality. Like, it sucks that she doesn't have those memories, but, like, just the the knowledge of this has happened before makes her feel like it's possible that it can happen for right. her.
1: Right. Which is it, like beautiful. Oh. Um if we just close the loop with Jones when she's kidnapped and brought by maybe Hannah, maybe not Hannah, but we're going to pretend it's Hannah to the daughters <laughs> and she um I I like to think that Hannah's there in that room and Jones has no idea. And when um when the daughter says to her, you know, our fates are intertwined, she's in a room full of women that raised, helped raise her daughter and her are daughter. her daughter's sisters, right? Like mm-hmm. And has no idea. Um, oh, and so- I just
2: – so I rewatched the – near the end where Jones – like in season four when Jones thanks – um like in the in the finale when Jones thanks um Jennifer for raising her daughter and then I came back and watched this and I was like oh my god you don't even know <laughs> right it was it's such a it's yeah like uh, the fact that Jones doesn't know and uh, I guess at this point we don't know either but we find out very soon it's it's such a monumental moment for her
1: yeah it's um really really fun to rewatch knowing sort of like the path that that's going to take in getting Hannah back. And they are sewing all these little clues um, when, you know, (laughs) when you have a daughter telling Jones, James Cole, remember something you've forgotten? Our fates are all intertwined. And it's the group that are daughters in the room. Like, ah, so Yeah. Let's focus on 2016 and Jennifer and Cole. It is our first trip to the Emerson Hotel, which I don't know about you guys, but I got like super nostalgic and chills, even though it's a total shithole in 2016. But when they walk in the lobby and you see that staircase and they talk about sweet, ah, oh, it's well, I even um, Jennifer says at the airport, right?
2: She's like, "The home is 607," and I'm just like, "It is, Jennifer, it is." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's upright like this it is. Um although there's so much comedic like uh, talk about like also like acting chemistry the whole like back and forth <laughs> with cole and jennifer where she's like 607 you've been here before and cole's like no i haven't yes you have like please stop oh, talking gosh. but you have that when she's
2: thing. like when she's repeating what the guy at the counter is saying oh so you 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 break it you buy it then that's that's what he's saying i loved it
1: <laughs> yeah she, it's so great like he doesn't realize that because he's from the post-apocalypse like she's explaining that but i think it's interesting that like as much as Jennifer is talking about not having a purpose and the voices in her head and how they she wanted them to stop. We also see her actively listening to the voices mm-hmm. when she's in the car to stop in front of the Emerson Hotel. So even if even if she is she wanted them to stop and doesn't know what her role is, she's already making choices and listening to them, even even now in this episode, when she's in a total like free fall. You in don't think they're like,
0: clearer when he's around? Yeah, I guess mm, maybe, maybe that's another yeah. part of it, too. She probably has a bunch of overlapping stuff going on. When, you're, when your head gets loud, you don't hear one thing. But if she has him around there to, like, calm her and they stop when he's talking and he's part of, like, her mission or whatever, then it's very likely that she is able to listen and make that choice because she actually heard them. like what. And in saying. that moment,
2: she's kind of happy that he's
0: there with her, right? Because he's, like, stuck with her as far as they're concerned. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's the person that... And she seems lucid. I mean, as crazy mm -hmm. as she seems like she's being, she's, like,
1: coherent. And to think of how lonely she has been, like, her whole life. And this person, not only, yeah, the voice is clearer, but he's also been, in the scheme of things and who she's interacted with, kind to her, um, without, like... I guess you can say Olivia, but Olivia is manipulating her. Um, well, and so
2: far, he is the one, he went against Cassie. Like, she, she knows how much that cost him in this moment. Like, she's, she's like amazed and happy. And like, yes, she knows, like, later on in the scene, in this, this scene, like, she, she realizes, you know, like, oh, okay, well, nothing really has changed that much. But like, she realizes that he's going to take, like, he's going to protect her or like, he, he, Means well for her. And that, that is a huge deal for Jennifer, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, she has te- tears in her eyes on the rooftop, right? I mean, she, so the, um, walking into the Emerson Hotel, it's like, there's like bulletproof glass, or there's like glass in front what of it. A yet, right? Like that, just that scene of that. Graffiti going- <laughs> on the clock. The clock is set to 10. Is it 10.04 from Back to the Future? Or or like the clock moves from 10.03 to 10.04, like right with the lightning? I
0: didn't
2: even um, know that was a reference. So that is an amazing back, like behind the scenes that I'm finding out right now. I think they're
1: remembering <laughs> that, right? Um, there's another great, um, the alias. That Cole, when Cole's asked for an alias, (laughs) Jennifer says Morris Morrison, which is the, which it kind of makes me think it's, yeah, or is it a chicken and egg thing, right? So she says Morris Morrison, that is the alias that Cole will use in the 1940s. both when he's with Cassie, right? But then when he leaves Cassie in the coma and she wakes up, that's how she finds him at the House of Cedar and Pine. So is it a chicken and egg thing? Like, does Jennifer know he uses the alias Morris Morrison because she has the voices in her head and she knows some of the things that have already happened? <laughs> or or is it just that Jennifer invented the most ridiculous alias ever?
2: <laughs> like, I, I'm imagining a voice in her head just being like, Morris Morrison. <laughs> like, it just, it's just such a wonderful thought. But yeah, I think it's like a cir- it's circular. I think she just knows already.
1: Um, yeah. And then of course, like no 607's a private residence. Um, the the like adult humor, I double bag it with that one. It's I'm so shocked.
2: <laughs> oh like
1: is that does that go like right behind butt stuff only? Right? <laughs> <I> mean,
2: yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Like it, it whenever the show has like one of those jokes that, that are, they're re- relatively infrequent, but like so you always notice them and you like I always have like a oh my eyebrows are raised like oh did I just what I love it um, <laughs> pardon
1: yeah it's like um, so we talked about the phone call with Jones the one thing that I thought was really funny is when Cole's trying to have the conversation and and with with. 2016 Jones and Jennifer is like writing on the pad and trying to get his attention. He's like, stop, go sit over there. I'm like, oh my God, that's like me when I'm trying to have a phone conversation and my kids find that that's the moment that they have to tell me like 10 different things and I'm just like, stop. Like the whole dynamic between Cole and Jennifer at this point is very much like an annoyed parent (laughs) (laughs) with a child that is like not doing what they're supposed to do. And it's going to shift dramatically Mm -hmm. but that takes us to these like really heart-wrenching scenes Uh, with jennifer with the mirror and and olivia i mean uh, olivia is in her head Mm -hmm. and it's because it makes you like it's also part it's kind of like what she's also done to cassie right like she's in her head is it just a memory she's also in her head because she has made jennifer drink the tea and has told her these things while she drank the tea what was y'all's take on that?
0: Yeah, she's definitely had the tea and had Olivia grooming her while that was happening, in my opinion.
2: Right. So, like, when she's combing her hair and all, this is, like, all what she's repeating over and over again, right? When she, when Jennifer was there?
1: Yeah. I mean, and oh, the whole, like... Which is terrible. The, the way... I mean, there's a lot of important mythology clues in this mm-hmm. conversation with Cole. But the way Jennifer says... um, Mothers and daughters, they fill bathtubs with soapy water and tell you you're special, knowing what we will find out in bodies of water that her mother tried to drown her and how in her consciousness, Olivia has like inserted herself, right? Like it's not just the scene we saw in season one where Olivia is – Brushing her hair and taking on that maternal role and having her take the bath. It's also like inserted in her mind.
2: Well, and she's, she's, um, kind of jumping off of what her, her mom was already saying, which is that you're the monster that ends the world. And like that's already in her head. And so all, all Olivia had to do was kind of like change that a little bit, but not that much. And she was able to like make this repeating pattern in Jennifer's head really easily, which is so scary that she like it's but it's something she's going off of a like synapse that's already like firing in Jennifer's brain and just piggybacking on it and it's like making it 10 times more effective
1: yeah it also ties together you know the episode the episode is named primary um we'll get to what Jennifer tells Cole about primaries in one second but Olivia making Jennifer the promise that if she joins the army of the 12 monkeys, the voices will stop in her head. That is exactly the promise that Olivia makes to Andrews, the primary that's in medieval times in season four. The one who's like flogging himself to cast off. So that this is what the, the way she gets primaries to join like the dark side is by promising that their like inner torture of their mind will stop. And so that's how she got Jennifer to work with her. That's how she gets Andrews to work with her in what we see in season four. Um, Like the two primaries who he turned fully and Jennifer just for a little bit. How does Olivia um,
2: know like what the primaries go to? Go? Is this a really obvious question? I just don't remember like how Olivia knows the details of what primaries
1: experience. It must be from Andrews, right? Oh, the yeah, witness, yeah. The witness – the witness – I mean <laughs> – Olivia knows, but this Olivia doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. But but the witness knows because Andrews is one of the founders of the of of the army, right? Oh, so he would have like explained that then. That makes sense. I was because I was just wondering, like, she and they knows, understand like, Ethan, right? At that like, point, well, she has the word of the witness at that point. Oh. I mean, she, I, I guess she thinks he's primary and the witness. I don't. Yeah, that's a good. Hmm. That's a good question. I guess I thought. We don't know then. I guess um, there's a lot the Army of the Twelve Monkeys understand that our protagonists don't, of course. But, like, I don't know. Now with Andrews in season four, I guess I kind of headcanon that he explained, like, he's their secret weapon because he's a primary and knows how it works.
2: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, w- I would – yeah, I w- that makes sense.
1: So it's the first – is this the first time we hear someone say – she said I was primary. It's the first time in the show we hear that, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so it's, I think it, <laughs> it is. But I also think it's interesting that Jennifer has heard these voices. I mean, it's another reason to explain why Olivia had such sway over Jennifer. It's not only promising her the voices will stop. the Her whole life she's heard these voices. Everyone from her father to the people working in the mental institution, and probably most people she's come across, have told her she's crazy. And the first person in her life that comes across her path to explain to her what it is, is Olivia. And I think that's such an interesting, like, intersection of their stories, because this kind of facing off between Olivia and Jennifer is going to, like there's there's like threads of it that run through it kind of starts to pick up in season 3 and then ultimately it's that face off when Jennifer drinks the tea right and dares mm-hmm. her to bring Titan to them so i think it's interesting that Jennifer's the first moment that she begins to recognize that what's going on in her mind isn't that she's crazy but somebody explaining it to her that it intersects with Olivia like i think that's really an interesting place that that's where she got that knowledge from.
2: Right. And this is like really important for Jennifer as well. So this is a conversation that Beep and I were having offline about prime versus primary. Like – they, they often use like, oh, 12 isn't, 12 isn't primary, 13 is primary, but like prime numbers are referred to as, as prime. Like they're, they're not referred to as primary. And yeah, that's and, colors. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. And primary in, in, in the um, context of uh, Jennifer and the others, it's primary means important or first or like, yeah, important, right? Like th- that's, that's the meaning that they're going. So here's Jen- Jennifer who doesn't know h- her purpose and who's struggling to find people that care about her and that, that are willing to stay with her and is, is so lonely. And like somebody is telling her she's primary, which like, so in, B was the one who pointed out that in this episode, they use prime correctly. They never use primary. Is that right? Not in reference to numbers, anyway. So like in this case, primary is like yes in terms of the show's mythology, but it it's also Jennifer feeling like oh this I'm important like I I matter. She told me I mattered, which is yeah. like uh, first of all it's Olivia, so it's like it's very sad on Jennifer's part that that like she's getting that from somebody that's clearly manipulating her. But it's also like the one thing Jennifer's looking for.
1: Right. And meaning, so meaning that like it actually has two different, the title of the episode is two different meanings. So they are primaries, but, but Olivia also. By telling her she was primary, she made Jennifer feel special yeah, and important. Yeah, and
2: important, yeah. And, like,
1: and we really do know that she is. Like, that's, she's key to their, to their success. Right, uh, Olivia's, Olivia's right. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't know that it's her downfall. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, like, exactly.
0: Um, the reason that Olivia is such a master manipulator is because the best lies are based in truth.
2: That is very true. That's like, yeah, what I'm saying, like, she just jumps on synapses that already exist, like ideas that are already true, and she just twists them a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now, I think, you know, obviously, they show us in flashback that they have it. You know, her throwing, like jumping on Cole and holding a sharp object, like the shard of glass to his neck, and how that takes it back to like how they first met (laughs) in season one in the (laughs) second episode. Um, I think Cole shows a remarkable amount of restraint and patience for someone like with somebody who just held a shard to his neck. (laughs) Like, I, I, I know I, I mean that like actually, like in some ways it's funny, but like, I, I mean it like an actual like, The fact that he is able to have such patience with her when she is clearly in so much pain and is in a free fall and turn that around, you know, like... Well,
2: he saved saved her life.
1: Yeah, but the rooftop, what I'm saying is the rooftop was not the only act of mercy. There's many acts of mercy. Oh, yes, yes, Between Cole and Jennifer in these scenes. Um, And, like, I think it's beautiful that, like, she walks out of that hotel and we know that her path will be... Well, know, we know they'll meet again, um, and not in the but like in 2016 when they get to hyena. I think it's 2016, but like you know, in that in that general time frame. Um, but I think it's so beautiful that like as fucked up as she is right there, it's those moments of compassion and somebody believing in her and her walking out the doors of that hotel that she eventually gets on this path to the old Jennifer that we'll meet. Um, And that we see at the end of the episode. Um, and so like I, it is you know that the act on the rooftop but I think it's a lot more than that like that well
2: and I think she knows like when when even the act of mercy of Cole asking her to get out of this like I think there's a really clear understanding first of all the way Aaron delivered that line but also the way Jennifer um or Emily acted like it, it's very clear that he's not trying to get rid of her like he is asking her to get out of this for her mm-hmm. um because there could be an easily like a, a reading of this where
1: he's like just leave like just get out of here well, but that's not yeah, what he's saying and he's actually that that he's saying that in a moment where he realizes she is of use to him, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he's now getting the picture, like, with 607 and the things that she's saying that there's more, right? That's going to carry into the next episode where he's – it's clicking for him that primaries are special. Um, So in the moment that he is stranded in 2016 and is with the only person who could conceivably help him, he tells her to get out. For her. For for her sake. Yeah. Now, we have the, like – I don't know if you guys have thoughts about sort of, like, whatever i I mean i can totally get like this person who's one of the only people who's been kind to you the voices stop in her head you know like it would be confusing right like if you were attracted to men and this person was in front of you and has shown that kindness like i get that she's but like i was curious like it's such a sad scene when she like kisses him and there's zero like it's just uh, like you just want to crawl up into the fetal position for her you know
2: it's, yeah, it's done. It's so beautiful,
1: but so sad. Yeah. Um. There's some really great, you know, she knows, I guess because of the story that's in her head from the primaries, she, she says, you know, Cole wants Cassie to love him, but she doesn't. Um, I love oh my God. Yes, or like if the world will end or something. Oh yes, oh my yeah, God. yeah, So she, so she refers. The fun thing is, she refer. She says being single isn't the end of the world, which was the slogan on the speed dating banner <laughs> in the season premiere. <laughs> right, it's just a sign That's such of a good catch of everything being jumbled up in her head. Right, so she's quoting like she, she, she like ricochets from like quoting the speed dating banner to. Um, but you two together is, and that line, so let's say you got to the end of season two, and then you rewatched, and you're like, oh my god, that that line is about Ethan, like the two of them being together (laughs) and having the witness. Now that you're at the end of the series, and you know that Ethan isn't the witness, what if it meant... No! (laughs) Right? Because the next line is, when the forest is red, right? She's talking about green to red. When the forest is red, what if that line refers to the primaries knowing that the true witness is Cassie having to make that choice and she ends the world for Cole? Because now that line can be read that way. (sighs) Damn
0: it! (laughs) I'm just going to go with no. No. <laughs> so, Thank you.
2: Well Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. Just no. <laughs> no. I, I
2: like that. It kinda <laughs>
1: kicks you in the teeth this time though, when you hear it. Um, so that takes us to room six. I do sorry, sorry. Yeah, I do yeah.
2: want to say one thing about like um I was thinking like while we were talking about this like end of the world thing about um Jennifer kissing um Cole and like how how sad that scene was. I think like even going into it, like Jennifer Jennifer knows, right? Like she doesn't she doesn't kiss him expecting a response. Like it's it's a it's such a sad scene, and that like she like I feel like she knows how this this scene is going to end already. Which is like <laughs> oh she's primary, but no, like she knows. She knows this isn't going to work like that's because after this, she tells him like, oh, you and you and Cassie together is the end of the world. And like when I put like putting that together with like her still kissing him, it like it. Yeah, it breaks my heart because it's like it's definitely a goodbye. Like she's giving herself closure. I think she's like I think he gets closure from that, too, because they never really bring up this like kind of like, I guess, romantic. And I don't think they intentionally don't bring it up ever again. Right. They
1: they are pretty much friends after that. Um, yeah, right. This dispels
0: the rom- any romantic, uh, at least in my memory. I don't like. I don't. Uh, does you know, anybody I, else not get romantic vibes off Jennifer at all? Like, I feel like I she's in a- love with him because she thinks that's what she's supposed to do.
1: No, no, absolutely. You mean yeah, that,
0: that, yeah, absolutely. That Jennifer has feelings
1: for Cole. Yeah. No, 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 but no, But
0: because no, no, no. because he no, she does she saying.
2: thinks she has feelings for right. Cole.
0: I don't think Jennifer, like, I can't see Jennifer being with anybody. Like, I just don't get that off of her. Oh, I see what you're saying.
2: I felt like she hadn't thought through, like, because because it was so clear to her that he didn't reciprocate. I don't think she had ever really considered what life would be, like, what things would be like if he ever did. Like, this was such a non-issue for her. But it's still sad because she still has to convince herself that sticking around Cole is not the
1: solution. I mean, I think that I think the story up until this point that the show has at least that I took away was that she had feelings for him, like she did in season one. She's jealous of Cassie mm-hmm. now, I, yeah, I
2: definitely thought she had feelings for Cole in season one, yeah, I you not saying she's, I
0: don't think she has feelings for him. i what I'm saying is. I just don't really see Jennifer being like a romantic slash sexual being. So I felt like some of those feelings were like a transference of just, okay, this person was nice to me and he's really important. And like, I just want to possess him sort of thing. And this is the only way I know how to do it or that I should do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's a lot of intense, confused feelings. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people that really love Jennifer and Deacon. I, th- I think there's a lot of people that like, see different things. I think there were I, I mean I mean I remember reading people even after the finale and they wished that Jennifer and Cole had kissed in the finale. Really? So I think people see a lot of different things. I, I personally saw kind of an at this point an unrequited but but for someone who has been shown such little such little love in her life and has had such few like if any caring relationships and this good looking guy is in front of you and is really really nice to you if you're attracted to men i could see why you would develop feelings and like do you know what i mean like i can get to why she's in that place and i also understand why this be- because she also does like it's not only really the kiss when they do get to 607 and she sees the photograph of cassie and cole together she's mad. <laughs> or she sat, <laughs> she's sad like, she's upset yeah she's, she's upset ab- she's upset so you know old like chicken jennifer who's sitting in 2043 looking back on this time is oh, she is sweet she summer child right like <laughs> is she sitting there actually yeah. being like i was in love with cole i don't know i you know i think this whatever if there was ever that
2: like you know whatever whatever feelings that she was like either projecting or feeling or whatever onto cole because he was kind to her i think she she gets closure on it in this episode in a way that like, oh, even if he doesn't feel this way about me or or whatever like i'm st- I'm important to him, that's what I've real like she she realizes that and and yes, it it takes more like you know, when they actually go and get her in Paris and that there's like a whole you know, another whole affirmation from Cole like you're on the team. Mm-hmm. but in this case, like I think she just realizes that like, Yes, this
1: person cares about me and like and it has nothing to do with the mission because yes, he's telling yeah. me to leave it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um that takes us to um suite, suite 607, room 607. <laughs> um it's such like a now nostalgic moment to look around that and, and all, all of the really fun clues that they have laid out on that room you've got his 1944 hat
2: hanging the hat i love the hat cuz it, then it comes up like so soon and i just like seeing that my heart was like oh my god
1: whiskey sour <laughs> <laughs> yep and then and then you've got um <laughs> yeah, you just start hyperventilating like, oh my God, it's a 1944 episode. Um, and then the 1970s tab can, um, where Cole, like Cole enjoying food and drink, but like in the, in, that'll be in the 70s episode with Ramsey. It's totally has not like totally random. However, when you walk in the first shot of the room and I'm going to say this and Alicia, I am apologizing ahead of time. There is a tray with the crystal tumblers and the decanters. <sighs>
2: Oh my God.
1: I need to, I need to pause that and cry. It is. It has not, you know, this was early season two. So right. I know that it wasn't on purpose, but now when you see it, it is right there when you walk in. That's what they used. That's, that's, it was there. Oh God. (laughs) Right. They're going to all be sitting in that room. What? Two years from now? Mm -hmm. 2018, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, my God. That's, like, hours. Oh, (laughs) okay. And then, of (laughs) course, there's the photograph of Cassie and Cole in 1944 where Agent Gale left that photo and wrote (sighs) Columbia University on the back. So it's just, like, it's just, like, an Easter egg hunt. (laughs) And I'm sure, like, I hope folks will, like, chime in because I'm sure we missed other clues that are in the room. Um, It must be – I was just thinking, like, how – profoundly weird it must be for Cole to look at a photograph of himself that's in the past that hasn't happened yet. Like, what a mind mm-hmm. fuck. Um But he must feel so hopeful because they, like, look happy. Little does he know that they're not, but, like,
2: they look happy in that photo. <laughs> oh,
1: it's such a great – isn't that the best twist, though? Uh, that they're not? Yeah. That, uh, that that. that's totally faking it because the guy said smile? And um, it
2: messes with both of them. Like, it messes with him now and, and her later. Oh,
1: So, you know, Jennifer cuts herself. Um, That's after she sees the photograph, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just – The why do I have to to do do, something bad? To get your attention. There's just – there's a lot there that, I I mean, I frankly feel like a little out of my depth even trying to articulate. But it's just incredibly, like, heartbreaking and uh, just gives you, like – an idea of how, what it must be like to be in her head, right? That like, yeah,
2: she's so like this is her. This is this is her the like she reaches her her bottom here because right, like I think she's mm. she's like out of options kind of like, right, doesn't know what to do anymore.
1: And you know, the fact obviously we have the plot device that that, that the note I found my purpose serves mm-hmm. to get Cole back, but it also in terms of a character marker for Jennifer, she has thought about this, like, bottoming out and what that conversation with Cole meant to her for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of other ways that she could have gotten that met. Like, she didn't have to... She could have just had the daughters be like, "Go get Cole," right? Yeah. But she made sure to write that down on that piece of paper. I think you can see it sticking out of her bag when she's when you have the montage when she's walking out of the hotel. So it's something that she has thought. She right. You don't need to write that note to get Cole back to twenty forward to twenty forty three. She wrote that down. Because that – this moment means so much to her in her life and to let him know that it did.
2: That it did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know? I mean, it must have meant so much to him, too, to see that and to see that she was okay Like, because because has he met – he hasn't met Chicken Jennifer yet, right? No, right. So he doesn't know what happened to her or what will happen to her. And as far as he's concerned until, like, Cassie shows up, like, that's it. Goodbye, Jennifer. Goodbye, Cassie. Like, goodbye. (laughs)
1: Right. That's, like, a few moments later. And he must be like, yeah,
2: yeah. And Cassie showing up with that that note, like, just to know that he made a positive difference in her life after witnessing her at, like, the lowest point. And feeling like he couldn't help her or he couldn't reciprocate or whatever, like, but that it worked out for her. That's just
1: such a relief. Yeah. I mean, the moment when he says, forget about your mother, and he doesn't fully understand, but, like, we know what that Mm -hmm. means for Jennifer. Forget about your father. Um, You're not supposed to kill. And he says, um, you know, I don't know what my purpose is either. (laughs) Um, you know, it's a very, like, truthful moment for Cole. He's also totally, like, at sea. He doesn't know what the hell. He's, like, right? He's stranded. He yeah. has no idea what the future is. I love that, like, their friendship, there's so many different levels that it's so important. Like, we've. We, it's obviously fundamental to saving the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, so when you talk about, like, the two of them bottoming out – Jennifer in the emotional and mental state that she is in that she just harmed herself. Cole is totally stranded stranded and abandoned and has no idea what happens next. And the two of them are together in that moment where neither of them know what their purpose is. And then you think about how important – that friendship and those two people are to, like, saving the world. Well, and then just the,
2: the like, the trust that they develop. Like, I I just, when you were talking, for some reason, I pictured Jennifer, like, jumping in front of the train, trusting that he was going to come mm-hmm. and get, like, so he's like, because when, when he picks her up and they're on the other side of the train track, she's like, I knew it. Like, obviously you were going to get, like, it's it's just, like, how far their friendship goes over, like, over the few, like, over the two more, three more seasons, is, like, it, like, there's a reason why when she leaves, um, to finish her loop, like, I, like, I was a mess, because I'm, like, she is the only person going back to finish decades of her loop, where she's going to see Cole over and over and over again, and be instrumental in making sure this still happens, so, like, there's so much responsibility like yes Cassie has to go back and send them she has a ton of responsibility go back send the message etc like but like Jennifer has to go back and live for decades in this mission mm-hmm. and like you know look after Cole and and the, and all of them really but like really just make sure Cole stays on the path and and that that she like accomplishes what she needs to. like oh i don't know i love their friendship so much it's like one of the like central things I love about about the show, it's it's uh, that it's their friendship.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, the writing is beautiful, the acting is beautiful. It's just a really beautiful scene. And also, just think like putting aside the crazy mythology and how important they are, and how they're how important their friendship and like m- mentorship of each other in different eras mm-hmm. is. There's something really um like what's the right word? Basic to anyone watching that right like who who among us hasn't wondered like what what am I doing with my life or (laughs) what's my purpose absolutely yes you know I mean maybe it's just because I'm like you know I feel like I'm in my 40s and I have this conversation with friends constantly being like so what I thought I was doing that's not what I want to do so like what's my purpose (laughs) we all have this conversation today right like I feel like yeah it's like an everyday
2: like it's, yeah, it's a very, um, relevant, I guess, question that they're, like, it's sort of saying before, which is like, there's these, like, science fiction stakes, but like, the reality is so like based on their like emotional stability. and they're just like, what are they doing? like what that are, are they- totally
1: relatable. right? Yes, like yeah, this isn't this isn't like a a moment in Lord of the Rings where you feel like it's like you have to go on this epic quest and these people are but, but it all, but that doesn't feel like right. like mm-hmm. watching it doesn't feel like you can really relate to like, frodo in that moment
0: he has to like (laughs)
1: carry the ring do you know what i mean but this is grounded this is grounded like firmly into like you could picture two people in real life and maybe you can picture a moment like where you yourself you were jennifer or you were cole and it's absolutely relatable even if the plot is insane <laughs> and, and not only that they're feeling this way individually but the fact that they
2: can like commiserate with each other being like oh you're feeling this way too I'm feeling this way too like I recognize that I'm like I'm sorry I like you know the but but I understand like yeah. that's, that's what friends do for each other and it's like
0: that's really powerful <laughs> yeah. to just see that in a TV show yeah like five of us literally had this conversation today right <laughs> yeah about, like I, what am I even fucking doing with my life uh, and like who even cares anymore well I care but
1: yeah or you mean, or you mean like I don't oh meaning Just, I don't care what I'm doing yeah right. I don't care like what, exactly yeah or, yeah, like, or that can- we're all feeling like that like right. that is yeah and that's okay I've probably had what is my purpose conversations with, like, five different friends this week. So, like, you know, so, like, it, it is so relatable and so honest and doesn't give any bullshit platitude answers.
2: Or even, right? like, we even talked about, like, why are we doing the things we're doing? Like, why? What's what's our motivation? Like, that that's, like, yeah, it's exactly something that, like, adults have to deal with, like – and it's normally, the, yeah, and life. it's the
1: opposite. I mean, what's so interesting is it's the opposite of her conversation with Olivia. Olivia tells her everything she wants to hear, mm-hmm. gives her the gives her the answer. You are special. This is your purpose. Cole sits there and is like, "Look, I don't have a fucking clue. I don't even have a clue for myself. But you can make a choice to go figure it out, which is as honest. Like it doesn't and get more honest. That's what breaks than that. through." yeah I, don't, I just love it I love it so much um so that takes us to man it's so sad <laughs> Cole Cole looks so hopeful oh, he's like what changed your mind and Cassie's basically stone faced like nothing fucking changed my mind <laughs> other than like people holding jones at knife point uh, like yeah she looks like she wanted to like rip that note off. <laughs> oh it's so brutal um so then um the one thing that i think this i think we've covered everything to just take us to that final scene except the one thing that we didn't mention that just gave me major feels when we were watching is um after jones and cole kind of hash out the you know you knew all along, and you didn't tell me. Like talk about trust. I think it's really interesting that that idea of trust—that—that's what Jones is going to say to him in masks when he didn't tell her about Ethan, right? So like breaking trust with each other is something they constantly circle back to. But when she, when he tells her we made mistakes, and Jones asks him, "Are you with me?" The theme of of making mistakes, but recommitting to one another reminds me so much now of their scene when they're overlooking the first splinter uh, in 402. Um, and when he says he's with her, like that's, that's the promise that she is going to thank him for when she's dying. Like this, you know, oh idea my gosh, that, yeah, you made me, we'll
0: see this to the end. I promise. <laughs> Hand touch. Yeah. <laughs>
2: i can can picture it it's like yeah it's it's like a visceral thing i can picture i've seen i've seen the finale like so many times it's weird (laughs) but (laughs) no weirder than the rest of us i love how how the music rises in here too because it's like the like the the orchestra like the yes they play the song earlier but like when he says here like oh when she says are you with me the music changes. It, like, becomes, like, in a major key. It was, like, in a minor key before. And now it's, like, <laughs> now it's, like, a happy major key. I'm, like, oh, yay, this is a good sign. like, you know, like, just immediately that sign of, like, things are
1: changing. Times mm-hmm. are a-changing. No, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and, like, so speaking of music, I mean, the music in this episode is beautiful. Um, but particularly in this final scene between Cassie and Cole, it gives me chills. Um
2: ENO- <laughs> Seen a lot. A- did you hear me breathe? I did. I did. That was so cute. Uh, do you need a minute? Do you want to walk it off? Um, um, I'm so- good. I'm good. I might just. You might just hear me like
1: waving my hands to like expend that extra energy. <laughs> Dude, beep is gonna have to wrangle us because this is Ooh. both I think yours and mine. One of my favorite scenes in the yeah, whole show. This, this is like
2: kryptonite for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love – the one thing I didn't notice before is that it cuts from Eklund telling Jones that he's going to work on tearing down her walls, and then it cuts oh. to Cole <laughs> walking into this room with Cassie, and even the way they, like, physically stage them with – with Cassie, with her back to Cole, he walks in the room like she doesn't turn around. Right? She she's stays, so stays. emotionally closed. Oh my
2: god! Like her body language is so like I'm I'm this like angry ball. <laughs> yeah. Right
1: now, so like because a little she digi- has to be <laughs> to make it an
0: epic. Yeah. Yeah. All that it is. No, but- so that she can function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just can't like she can't have it all turned on, or she's gonna be like Jennifer in a second. Completely losing it. She
2: didn't choose to have him back. No.
0: Yeah.
1: No. Beep. I she love that you deal keep. With I, it. That's a really good, like she can't let herself feel this. Nope. Yeah. Not when he's there, because we nope. see at the end of the. Oh my like, gosh! Yeah, at the end. At the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. We gotta bring it back. Okay. So I love that there's a double meaning to a lot of the dialogue. So yeah, going back, ah. you know, so so much. She's looking at the evidence board. So much is different. Which refers to both the evidence board and everything that has changed because of what they've done, but it obviously. Oh, it's
2: obviously about them. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: about them.
2: 100%. Yeah. It's like, it's such, it lands so heavy. Like, that's, it's such a heavy line. Like, he knows, she knows. There's a
1: pause, like a, like a long pause. Yeah. I could see that. So
0: it's the, it's the, uh, antithesis though to the car conversation because they're still 100% talking around what they mean to say mm-hmm. except for now they're absolutely hitting it
2: well yeah I mean I think and still not dealing with it they don't emotionally deal with it yet they just well, this is where they put the cards on the table right, right? like they. It, I mean I think
1: it's um what I like about it because it's what I love about the way they handle how much this time jump has changed people is Cole's saying out loud, look, I don't really know how this is supposed to work, right? Like, he's laying that awkwardness out on the table. He's, like, and th- that's not to say, like, obviously, there is no, like, breakthrough. Well, no, there's, like, no breakthrough or reconciliation that happens as a result of this conversation.
0: But it is honest. Yeah, everything's
2: is- out in the open after this, which is like, oh, okay, absolutely. now we can Absolutely, that's what I was saying, yeah. though.
0: I, mean, I what I was talking about was just their approach,
1: Mm -hmm. Their approach
0: was like, let's just throw comments out and kind of see (laughs) how they (laughs) land. But they do land this time. Oh,
2: yeah. And in the car, they absolutely don't. In the car, there could be like no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. I I love it. I love it, too, because when Cole says yeah I could see that everyone's really cozy with Deacon he's fishing and Cassie's like I'm not giving oh, you yeah.
2: anything her face like her acting her face is like like she knew it like she makes a weirdly like smug like there, there's a little bit of a smirk in there it's it's great like, like a it's ugh, just of like, course nope yeah nope. <laughs> right of course right. that's what he wants to know
1: <laughs> oh right like she's fucking like, yeah I mean obviously there's many levels to what's going on but like <laughs> she's looking at the evidence board to a world wild plague and cole's
0: fishing to try and figure out if she slept with deacon (laughs) right like so but um one thing that's interesting about the conversation from the aspect of what you just said as Mm -hmm. far as he's trying to approach it and being like i don't know how this is supposed to work whereas from her end it's like well i fucking thought it wasn't supposed to work because you weren't going to be here yeah. So I don't even know why we're trying to figure this out. Like, yeah, like she I don't wants to want make it, it, it to work. Yeah,
2: she's making it clear that this was not her choice for
0: him yeah. to be back,
2: which, like, it hurts my soul. <laughs>
1: oh, it hurts. It hurts. Um, I love, you know, we are getting a preview of the conversation they're going to have in Lullaby when Cole says, you know, I know... I know you being this way is my fault. It, it is both. So, and then she responds, what I am is because of me. My favorite line of the episode. <laughs> it's such an empowering, uh, abs- absolutely. It's such a classic, like if you can think of a Cassie, a line that defines a character, that's a line that for me defines Cassie. However, both of the things that they say are both true yes. and not true, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because it is true, in part that Cole, you know, showing up in the backseat of her car, you know, it's it is it's a loop.
0: <laughs> it definitely <laughs> like, you know, it's help me- things. Let's play
1: that <laughs> right. <laughs> and he did sh- in like he did influence her in uh, like a utilitarian outlook mm-hmm. um and he did have to make that choice to send her There's a lot of things that Cole you understand why Cole thinks that, right? Yeah. On the other hand, there's a lot of choices that Cassie has made understandably to survive, that she's making a choice to put up walls that this is how she can get through it.
2: yeah, so every it- choice she's made after she ended up in the future has been her own. and and that's what she's I think so that's what like I think her perspectives coming from is like, yeah, like this is, this is who I am because I, I chose to be this person instead of just like hide in a room for a year. Um, like that to her, that's like, she, she, she sees like, she knows that, that like what he's saying is like, Oh, you've become all dark or whatever. Like, I think she also is like, but I'm strong. Like, you don't even mm-hmm. know.
1: <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, she, she, didn't choose. She got thrust. In, there's like right. She got thrust into the apocalypse. The apocalypse is the way that it is. Like with scavengers and people mm-hmm. attacking them, and the machine blowing up, and the messengers. There was many, many, many things that affected her that were out of her control. But she also made many choices that she owns and is asserting her agency. Like I, I am who I am, and I am choosing to be this way. And, you know, so. I just love because there's just so many layers to it. And I love that it's, like, you can, on the one hand, see both of what they're saying. On the other hand, there's, like, truth and not truth to it, right? Well, like, it love- both true and mm-hmm.
2: – No, go ahead. Uh, what I love about, like, her being in this situation now, like, from the beginning of season two is, like – We all, like, all of season one, you feel like this is Cole's mission until, like, Cassie has to remind him, like, no, you brought me into this, so now this is my mission too. But, like, it really feels like she's the foil, or she's, like, the audience insert for, like, us experiencing what, what Cole has to do, or all of, all of that. But, like, now, this, like, evens the, the, like, playing field in the sense that, like, she has, ownership of this mission as well and like she it's not just her trying to insist to Cole like oh like this is my like this is now it's it's like come full circle in the sense that this is now Cassie's mission that Cole is almost on
1: like you know what like it's it's yeah I mean it is funny like She could have been she could have been much snarkier in response. When Cole says, I don't know how this is supposed to work with you here now, she should have been like, dude, I've fucking been here for eight months. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You know my mission. (laughs) I clearly made the two-year uh like the plague delay happen. So I clearly know what I'm doing more than you do.
1: (laughs) Right. And then like the music starts to like, you start to notice the music, and then there's that moment where I just got I still get it, but, like, I remember the first question, I get chills, because Cole kind of continues or articulates really, like, fully. Like, it was, you know, when he saved Ramsey at the end of season one, saying there's no force more powerful than fate, and you watch his action, you see that they're challenging that because, you know, it's love, right, and, and choosing a hopeful course. But this is the first time that he articulates it, and it's... Truly, like a thesis for the show, um, that it was saving someone that made the difference, and you know we've talked a lot about how rare that is for a post-apocalyptic oh, it's show. So important, yeah, and how it applies to so many like to Ramsey to Jennifer to Hannah in a few episodes mm-hmm. um to saving the primary into 13 versus going to Titan to kill the witness to saving Ethan um it's just such an important thesis statement but it's delivered in this very personal like intense scene between the two of them and it just kind of gives you chills it's just a really
2: ah, uh, that yeah that line is beautiful and like it's you can you can like see the struggle that like she finally breaks down at the end but like you can see the struggle that she's going with and i think one of the things that the scene does really well like every single line is amazing but but weirdly one of the things that the scene does really well is use like pauses and like, there are some like pauses where you just hold your breath <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where because you're just like, oh my God, what are they going to say next? Like, are they like, are they going to make up like, wh- what's going to like, you know, there's 30 seconds left in the episode. What's going to happen? Like, it's just, it's like, it's such a tense, but like in, in like it, like it's emotionally tense. You know what I mean? Like there, mm-hmm. it's, you're just like, you just want them to be on the same page, but you like understand why they're not. And it's, it's, it's quiet like like it's yeah there's there's music but otherwise they they don't say a whole lot like it's there's so much that's just like there yeah
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and then you know he hands her the 1944 photograph and then when he walks away is when she falls apart and you see her like not not falls apart the same way she does in um what is it in Meltdown? After, no, after the end of Lullaby, right when she shuts oh, him down. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite like that, but she is. Like she have, was holding it together until that point that he left. Right. We. This episode started with Cassie storming onto the rooftop and <laughs> shooting people in the head, and us being like, "Holy shit! Well, who is yeah. Cassie?" <laughs> right, and it ends with her seeing a. <laughs> What she thinks is a happy photograph of the two of them together, and then she is overcome with emotion.
2: Like, how will I ever get there?
1: (laughs) And yeah, or like, you know, what she's trying to hold, like what Beep's point, like she's also trying to hold this all at bay. Mm -hmm. And when he finally leaves the room is when she can give herself that moment of letting her guard down. and, And then we as the audience get to see there's a lot more going on under the surface with Cassie then she's necessarily how she's acting. Yeah,
0: and she also needs to be holding on to that anger. So I think there's a bit of apprehension there about, like, okay, mm-hmm. if we look happy in this, like, what the hell happens next? Mm-hmm. Because I need to be, like, who I am right now, and I can't be that if I'm that way with him. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think there's also a part of her that, like, wishes she agreed with Cole, like – Cole is making a good point here, and he's like, you know, from an audience point of view, you're like, oh, yay, saving people. That's great. And like, I think she also wishes that she believed that. Like, but, but she, she doesn't, right? Like, that, I think it breaks her own heart, too. Like, and it, yes, it's, you, they're not on the same page and all that, but I think she's like really sad that she is not that person anymore. Mm hmm. Which, yeah. ugh. Uh, but then they understand each other better, which is what makes everything so much better. <laughs> uh, I am.
1: I'm, like, like, talking with my hands, like, aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> talking with my hands
0: aggressively. Uh, it's,
1: um, it's just such... Every, we end this episode and we know every single character so much better. Mm-hmm. Ramsey, Deacon, Jennifer, Cole, Cassie, Jones. We see Jones starting to finally be like, what, what the heck's going on with this guy, right? Like, it is. Such a great character episode. Ugh. And
2: if there's, like, so much happens in the season that you really, like, didn't need to. I mean, this show never has problems with, like, character moments. They're you know, they're very careful about that. And and we check in with people all the time. Characters check in with each other all the time. But I think, like, to, to reorient us as, like, a new season, this is where we're at. This is where everybody's at with each other. And this is where their, like, mission is. And, everything. like, we just know so clearly because, like... It just the, the amount of things that happen from now till the end of the season is like insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much happens. And, yeah. and like, it's, it's, so it's like so important for us to have like a very steady foundation with these characters going into such a, like, I mean, it's not just this season, it's like, the next three seasons, but, but yeah, there. but otherwise
1: these, you wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> every, every sci fi show is about saving the world. <laughs> so, like, otherwise you wouldn't care. Um, yeah. what makes the stakes matter? Right. That's like, I
2: know you guys maybe aren't caught up to the good place this, this, um, with the finale, but I like did. A, a I of, you did. I cried. Shut up. You did.
0: Did you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I cried too. I cried too. It's, it's a lot. It's about asking the same questions of like, we have these fantastical situations, but why do they matter? And what do we need to take away from them? And why, why we, why we keep going? Okay, I'm going to cry. Okay. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Because three words, Jeremy, bear me, baby. And I started crying. I'm like, fuck. Time means
2: nothing. Oh
0: no! <laughs> yeah. No, no, we can't. Like,
1: oh, this will be the second podcast in a row. Someone cried. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's beautiful, though. It's like a cathartic, happy cry because because love is what matters, and that's why that's why we fight. That's why we fight because we want we want to hold on. Like, we want to. Make it matter for the people that we love, and and yeah, that, okay. I'm gonna. I'm not making sense. It's just I'm good. It's
1: good. I <laughs> uh, thank you so much for this. Was so fun. I am still like wow. I'm gonna like go read Alice in Wonderland now, um, <laughs> and and, pre- pre- and, that, and pretend and pretend it was because I had a really great idea to read it to my kids. Um, but like, thank you so much. So fun. You're gonna come back. You're coming back for blood washed away. Oh right? my god. I'm like that panic emoji.
2: That's just like, <laughs>
1: and, and yeah, beef, beef's gonna dangerous. have. <laughs> I know. We, we may need like Jen to come on here to like aggressively moderate. <laughs> oh, I can
0: do it. Don't you me. I'll just click uh, stop recording and you motherfuckers uh, have I don't care.
2: I'm just, you're just gonna hear Tina talking and saying all of these like really smart things. And like my track is just gonna be like, oh, like Tina, like Tina Belcher, sorry.
1: Like yeah. from Bob's burgers. Just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh honey I, when it comes to blood washed away I don't know how many quote unquote intelligent things I would have to say other than just shrieking uh, um, what, did, what did Amanda call them? the, the sex pots?
2: oh my god I love them
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't believe we came that close to not having a legit sex scene it makes me want to crawl in the fetal ah! position thank god for Amanda Shul. Um, thank okay. you guys for
2: having me by the way I yes. love this was so much fun
1: So fun. All right. So our next episode is going to be 203, 100 years. Our first time travel to a different era, uh, World War II New York. We're going to meet Agent Gale. Uh, We're going to drink some whiskey sours. We're going to see a primary paradox. And we're going to have the big uh, Cassie and Cole argument. I love it. Um, So if you guys don't have anything else, we'll see you soon.